listening out there in Spreaker as I've got the Spreaker going on. And uh, once again, everybody, this is the Information Man. You're listening uh, live to me. I'm doing a program on my first channel, the, 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 the YouTube channel, which is the Information Man Show. And for those of you that will be listening out there in SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts, uh, uh, CastBox, uh, Spotify, Anchor, a variety of them, um, you are br- listening to a broadcast on the Information Man Show. I have the second YouTube channel, which is the Information Man Speaks podcast. So uh, come on in, enjoy the conversation. I have a brother who's very powerful, and that is the Prophet of Thought series. This brother, Brother X, as we call him, is knowledgeable. We're going to talk about a variety of different things tonight. We're going to get into uh, issues around relationship, black men, black women, societal issues. Uh, are black people spending too much time blaming everything on racism, on on white folks in society, or do we need to get on code? What does getting on code mean? Are we on code? Will we all, all any ever be on code? Uh, in terms of family, what is your responsibility? Brother uh, Prophet of Thought says something that I definitely like when he says that, you know, when you have situations in this society where black women in particular are being attacked, and they'll say, hey, where's the protection of black men? Well, Prophet of Thought made a good point one time when I was on a, on a panel with him and he said well my first responsibility is to protect the women and protect my family because they fall under my shield or under my crest that's your first responsibility your family and that statement that the brother said stuck in my mind um completely and um that's why uh this tonight is going to be a great interview a great opportunity for me to chop it up with my brother on a more personal level i see people are coming into the chat room little by little i know it's a busy night on youtube a lot of competition out there but we're doing the best we can over here and uh with that said let me give my man a clap everybody in the chat room first of all because i know how these streams work how this stream yard works sometimes the sound is janky but um let me go ahead and uh, give some love out here. We got Anita B coming in the house. Let us know by putting a yes in the chat room if you can indeed hear my voice because uh, we know how janky these streams can be nowadays with the sound not coming out. Good evening, everyone. That's Tasha in the house um, using the stream yards tonight. We got great topic. Oh, we got Tammy in the house. Good to see you looking real good on that picture. Everybody's looking good out there. Come on in. Let us know if you can hear. Okay, I see a yes right there. That's very good because I want to make sure that everything is everything. So let me give my man a clap. And let me know throughout the night if the stream starts popping because StreamYard's got a has a big problem with the popping popcorn sound that I just don't understand why. I'm trying. I got a great new mix board here that allows me to do a lot of cool things. And so hopefully the sound's coming out. Oh, we got BBK. We got BBKL's TV. Thank you for being here. And let me give a clap to my man, my man, Prophet of Thought. Woo, let's go here. What I'm going to do is just bring the brother in right now because um, that's a little bit of a boo-boo there. But with that said, Brother Prophet, how you doing, man? Let's get into it. Let's not mess around. Peace, brother Info. Peace, everybody <laughs> out there listening. Uh, I appreciate you having me on, brother. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Was looking forward to this. Oh, okay, brother. Well, let's get into it. I'm a 
enough of the fancy, fancy stuff. Let's get straight to it, brother. I want to tell you right now how much I respect you, uh, how much I do watch your material, even from afar when I'm not on the panel. Sometimes I'm watching when you don't know I'm there, brother. You know, some nights I'm just peeking in late at night and listening to the conversation. And last night you had a classic I mean, the things that you were talking about, I wish I had that sound effect that you played last night. Mama! You know, about these, you know, you get these guys laying up on their mamas, living in the uh, basement, living with their grandmothers and talking a lot of junk and they not doing nothing with their life, playing the video games, the PlayStation, and really don't have themselves together, brother. So that was a powerful conversation where you went with it. You really told the truth last night. Tell the truth. So what I want to ask you, first of all, for everybody out there that's in the chat room that's coming in, I see you, uh, Great Black Shark. Um, brother, I need to know your origins. What made you come to YouTube? How would you come up with the name? I know you've got the whole uh, the Malcolm X banner in the back that I love. and Just break it down to the people. What created the Prophet of Thought series? Well, we have to go back to... 2012, 2013. Well, actually, further back than that, um, when I was a younger guy, when I was like in my like in my 20s, back in the day when we used to have those big, gigantic camcorders that you put the VCR tape into, I used to be the guy with that. So wow. I was always, and yeah, I was always into taping and stuff like that, but I got out of it. You know, I, I kind of got out of it for a while. And, um, in 2012, 2012, 2013 is when I got back into media. Um, I started off just making videos and putting them on Facebook. And then my wife, my wife was like, oh, you know, you should put, you know, you should put some of these videos, you know, onto my YouTube channel. Because my wife had a YouTube channel and I didn't. I used to take my videos and put them on her channel. That's mm-hmm. how it started. And, right. uh, you know, they'd get a few views, you know, here and there, but I still, you know, I still wasn't into, you know, the whole YouTube thing like that yet. Right. Uh, I, um, I linked up with a radio station, Nubia hood radio, you know, if it's anybody who, you know, from my channel, anybody who watched my channel, they know I originated, I came from Nubia hood radio. Wow. You know, I actually, I used, I actually used to work in an actual um, internet radio booth. I had my own radio show that came on every Thursday called the Prophet of Thought Series on Nubia Hood Radio. And uh, most of it, most of it was uh, pretty much like the stuff we talk about now. A um, little cleaner, though. So a little more PC, you know, because you got to kind of be PC, you know, when you're working at some radio station because right. I didn't own the station. You know, I just had a show on the network. So <laughs> that's pretty much how it is. But but what got the uh, what started the video part of it was a young girl by the name of Hadia Pendleton from Chicago. Right. She had she had gotten killed, and I read her story. You know, I read her story. I had read many, many stories, but I read her story, and it was just something about her story, man, that really, really got to me. Wow. And, um, yeah, at the time, she was the same age as my daughter. She reminded me of my daughter. And from then, 
that's when I start, you know, creating videos because that's all TPOT, all TPOT used to really be about was we follow police killings. Okay. We follow senseless killings. I mean, I got footage, man. You go into TPOT archives. I have footage of me at the Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin rallies. Mm-hmm. Um, I was down there when they were having the rallies for Kamani Gray, when Kamani Gray got killed in New York City, uh, Ramali Graham. I have footage of all that stuff. If you go way back, I have footage of all those things because that's what TPOT used to be about. It used to be about police brutality killings, police brutality killings, and senseless killings of young folks. That's what we used to do. That's all we did when it first started. Wow. Let me, man, that's fantastic. That's, that's incredible, brother. Let me say a shout out to O'Shea Duke Jackson. Brother, thank you for the. Thank you for the super chat. Thank you for the super chat. Uh, I see my man T.R. Nari in the chat, in the chat room. Make sure y'all go over there and subscribe to T.R. Nari. That brother is a musician. That brother is the truth. He puts it down. I mean, he puts it, the brother is, is, is the truth, and he helps a lot of people out with growing their channels. Make sure you check out O'Shea Duke Jackson on the Sunday Rumble in particular, which I've been a part of. I've got to get back over there, uh, Negro, ever since you uh, uh, kicked me off, O'Shea, <laughs> when we had that heated discussion. Uh, you know, the, 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 the Rumble was about brothers being able to get at it, about a variety of topics that definitely are polarizing but peace to Brother O'Shea Duke Jackson. Love that brother. He's in the house. I see we got the Black Shark. We got Anita uh, in the house. We've got a Kingdom uh, Marriage in the house. Peace to you. TR is in the house, as I said before. Nagoon is in the house. Nagoon, my fret brother. Oh, six. Mike, Shannon. We've got a lot of people. Sandy K is in the house. Thank you for being here. Sosa Sosa is in the house. Um, so it's a lot of great people that have come in the house. People will be coming in little by little tonight. We'll see how things are going. But um, so, brother, you had your origins in radio because you've got that radio style voice, silky voice, strong, authoritative style. And um, man, have you ever uh, considered uh, doing a podcast yourself, uh, brother, uh, in terms of getting onto these other platforms you got the voice, man. You got that electric voice. Or getting back into the radio. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Um, I appreciate that, brother. Uh, I have thought about it. I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you know, you know, I do own a business. So it's, I mean, if I did it, brother info, it would have to be around this time of the year. Mm-hmm. Because this is when my business kind of slowed down. You know, I'm a mechanical engineer. Thank you so for I this. Work I work on a lot of power equipment. Okay. Um, and it's really, really busy. It's really, it's the busy season is from say beginning of March, right. Till like October. I mean, I'm swamped. I'm talking sun up, sun down. Wow. Um, yeah. But you know, during this time it slows down. Mm-hmm. So if I was to do something like that, it would have to be this time of year. Cause I actually have the time to work on it and, you know, do graphics and audio, People don't realize, people who don't make content don't realize how much goes into, you know, especially pre-recording stuff right. like videos and editing and audio and splicing and, you know, <laughs> rendering. And, I mean, a lot yeah. goes into it, you know, to make it decent, a lot goes into it. And it takes a lot of time. 
and it's a lot of time I just don't be having for like nine and a half months out the year. Right. <laughs> right. And because you, and then you got a business and you're balancing family life yeah. and everything like that. Well, yes. let me, let, let me yes. ask you this though, brother, you, uh, what got you to say, you know, okay, you did some of the radio stuff, you know, you got into that, you were involved. What said to you, what said to you one day, what, what brought upon the thought in your mind that let me get into YouTube and create something on YouTube that's unique for my, to, for myself and to, to for the audience. What actually uh, was the spark plug for this? Well, that started with the radio station too. Radio station, um, because wow. yeah, because I used to manage their you know their YouTube page, their social media. I managed the Twitter, you know, and the, and the Facebook you know, the community page for the radio station, you know, the Facebook. So I was managing their page already. So I said, you know what? Let me go ahead and make my own page and put my own stuff on it. And that's where it started. Wow. But I never, I never streamed or anything. I mean, streaming is relatively new. I've only been doing that like a couple of years. I mean, I've been on YouTube since like 2015, but I've only been streaming for like, say like two years. Wow. That's it. Well, Two let of me, those years. Let me ask you, uh, this is interesting to me because now I am a big uh, believer, a uh, follower in the sense of the Malcolm X philosophy. You know, when I was in high school, the first time I got introduced to the idea of who Malcolm X was, I was probably like a sophomore in high school. Uh, there was a brother, that, a, a cat that I went to school with, and he would always have the book, and I read the, you know, the autobiography, and uh, I was always taken back by the glasses and just the pronounced strength of Malcolm X. And when I got in deep into his book and started to learn more about him and looked at a lot of the video, it really uh, resonated with me. And a lot of the things that he was talking about, I remember growing up and experiencing these things and not being able to, not yet connecting it as a young man. And then when reading his book, the book that was written by Alex Haley, um, a lot of things started to connect with me in terms of how he grew up, the, the struggles and the things that he went through. You know, a brother who he came from the streets, he uh, changed his life going into prison. Uh, and then he broke down how society really um, tries to uh, put barriers in, in uh, you know, in front of us as black men. What made you gravitate towards Malcolm X, brother? Well, that um, that comes from being a follower of the nation, uh, being a Muslim. But I knew I knew a lot about Malcolm X when I was a young guy. Um, I have I have siblings that are a lot older than me. Okay. And when I was say seven or eight years old, I mean, I had a brother that was twenty one you know, 22. So, you know, he was an adult and he taught me about, uh, he taught me about Malcolm X, um, Stokely Carmichael, uh, who else? Uh, Holly Selassie's, you know, my brother, my brother, he was like, uh, he was a student of history. So, you know, he would teach, you know, he would teach us about that kind of stuff. He taught us about Martin Luther. By the time I started going to school, I knew, I knew a pretty good girth of, black folks who who were history makers by the time I started school because my older brothers, you know, they were a lot older than me. So, you know, they they knew about that stuff. So they they talked to us about it. Their younger siblings, they taught us my dad, you know, 
kind of came up in it, if you will. Then when I was a young guy, I was in the nation of Islam. I, I used to be a Muslim too. I mean, wow. the whole nine. I mean, I was the, the full deal. I raised, I raised my kids up in it. Wow. And my kids was raised, my kids was raised up as Muslims. Yeah. They were raised up as Muslims. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was all part of my deal, all part of my thing, man. You know, I mean, when I, um, when I was younger, like in my twenties, you come to my house, man, you saw portraits of Malcolm X, you know, you saw, uh, slave you saw old slave sketches uh african statues you know i had that kind of stuff i mean back then i was uh the quote-unquote hotep if you if you will i mean you would have considered me a hotep back then when i was younger you know like in my 20s right you know wow um man what made you um you know i've had I've been on pounds with you. To me, I get the impression that you're very, uh, I get this energy. You remind me of a couple, a few of my uncles back east. I was, you know, I was born in Baltimore. A lot of my family migrated from North Carolina. As a lot of black folks moved from the south to the north. Baltimore or Maryland is the most southernest northern state on the Dixie line. But a lot of my uncles and my father they have values about discipline you get your ass up you go to work that's why the um the the, what you did yesterday talking about you get lazy individuals that lay up with their lay up in the house of their mother their grandmother eating the food not doing anything i had uncles who were all had their own businesses and they were about discipline getting out there and getting it and they didn't take any laziness whatsoever and so you remind me that you have a little bit of that disciplinarian or that uh, no-nonsense type. I don't want to label you, Brother uh, uh, Prophet of Thought, but when you raise your own kids, are you a, a, did you have a more of a, a stern or no-nonsense? Uh, you know, I just get this, I, this feeling that you are just a no-nonsense type of father. Oh, absolutely I was because guess what? I was raised by a no-nonsense father. So, <laughs> you know, I that's where I learned, you know, that's where I got my my template was my old man because there there was nine of us, all right? And, you know, my father, I mean, he was a 12, 13, 14 hour a day and 10 hours a day on Saturday type of man. That's the kind of person I was raised by. And... I mean, it was almost like living in a military boot camp. I mean, six o'clock in the morning, he expected your ass to be up, bed made, even on Saturdays and Sundays. So, I mean, that's how I grew up. I tell people, I tell people all the time that by the time I was seven, eight years old, I was already working because, see, my father, my father was a landscape architect. And he had his own landscaping company. So by the time I was seven, eight years old, guess what? I was humping wheelbarrows, carrying grass, uh, uh, digging trees, you know, uh, carrying rock, brick, because that's what my father did. I mean, that's what my father did. By the time I, I tell people this all the time, by the time I was 11 or 12 years old, I was driving a dump truck, Mm -hmm. um, I could operate a bulldozer, a payloader, a backhoe, 
a skid steer. Um, I could operate commercial lawn equipment by the time I was 12 because my father had all that shit. So, I mean, I could operate a payload. I used to load trucks. I used to load trucks with a payload when I was like 12 years old. Wow. So, I mean, that's I grew up like that. That's how I grew up, like that. Wow. You know, Prophet of Thought, man, I hear you talking about, you know, this whole issue around women, black men, what are our, what are our roles? How should a man carry himself? Um, how should women, how should men go about picking a mate, making the right decision? The importance of male energy, and I'm going to repeat that again, the importance of male, masculine, male energy in the lives of young black males because we have, we do have uh, single mothers out here. Okay, and what happens when you grow up without that male energy? Because I don't believe that women can raise a young man to be a man with all the essence uh, that a man who has himself together can bring to that young man. I'm saying that a woman can raise her son. She can, you know, nurture her son, teach him a few things, but there's still something missing without an actual father or male influence, because what we need is balance. You have to have balance. You you have to have the feminine and the masculine energy in that household. And I think today, when we look at some of our communities uh, where we see some dysfunctions, um, I believe it is because, and I know you would too, that there is a lack of fathers, there's a lack of structure and male energy in that community, and which is why you have so much buck wow out of control, and you have young men growing up who don't know how to do mechanical things that you have spoken of. Brother, just touch on some of those things, if you will. Okay. This is the part where I make some of your subscribers mad. Um, <laughs> well, brother, it is of, what it is. This is the truth of, channel. <laughs> of, uh, of course, I mean, I'm a true believer. I mean, I'll go more extreme than that, than what you said. I believe that a man can raise his son better if he lives in a treehouse in the woods and they running around with with uh, a banana leaves over their <laughs> genitals, I think the man would be better raising a child in that environment than just a child being raised with his mama in a mansion. That is what I believe. I believe that a boy will learn more going to visit his father in that tent in the woods in the weekend than he, learned, the then he learns the whole month in the house with his mama. I believe that. Um, When it comes to men, I mean, I've never been a female. I have daughters, but I uh, don't know exactly what the need of women's are. I could speculate that when they're young, but when it comes to sons, when it comes to male children, male children need male figures. That's how they cross over into manhood. That's how they start to understand manhood. That's how they implement manhood. I don't care what 
a woman says she cannot turn a man into a man. Any woman who has raised sons by herself and her sons grow up to be genuine men, what that means is some man has come along into that child's life, whether it be a stepfather, a karate coach, basketball coach, uh, uh, football coach, or the janitor at the library. Right. That That is the reason why that boy grew up to be a man, per se, a genuine man. That's the only way that that has taken place. Because, for instance, right, let's talk about sports, okay. something we always talk about. Let's talk about NBA players, right? Yes. Now we know there's there's a good contingent of NBA players, football players, baseball players, you know, et cetera, that come from single mama homes, right? Right. They come they home they the bastard sons of baby mamas, right? Just like the just like anybody else, just that they're millionaires now, but they are the bastard sons of baby mamas, right? So if they manage to get so good at something or their natural talent is amplified as something and they make it big. They go to college, they go to the pros, they make millions of dollars. Why do you think these bastard sons of baby mamas made it there? Now I know when they up there, boy, at that NBA draft or that NFL draft and they sitting there with their old mama and they get up there, that name get called, and they get up there, and the first thing they do is say, oh, I got to thank my mama. And mama runs up there, and she's like, boy, I raised him right. But we all know the backstory, right? The backstory is, just like I said, some man came into that young boy's life, gave him counsel, gave him instruction, gave him guidance, gave him training, that's why he turned into LeBron James. That's why he turned into Kevin Durant. Understand where I'm going here? Right. That's why he turned into that. Had nothing to do with mama. Mama probably never uh, uh, even bought him a damn basketball, let alone took him somewhere to play with it. Some male figure and or figures came into those boys' lives and gave them what they needed to excel as men. That's just a fact. Now, I know women will say, oh, I'm the mama and the daddy. That's ridiculous, and it's also impossible. I believe that male children need males to become men. That's it. Um, let me just say this to you, brother. You could never be the furthest from uh, the not the furthest. You are all hundred percent orange juice truth, because uh, what happened? Let me tell you my situation. My mother and father divorced when I was very young. I would go and visit my father back in Baltimore, uh, but my father really wasn't in my life uh, a good majority of my life. And so what happened is I happened to grow up in one of those old school black neighborhoods where the neighborhood really raised you. Big Mama raised you. The old men, the, the older statesmen in the community, everybody raised you and you could not get away with anything that you best to be in the house when the light turns on at, at six o'clock at that time. Um, if you got caught doing something, you could they could pull a belt out on you. Mr. Jones could pull his belt out on you and um, and, and give you discipline. 
And I was lucky, like, because I was able, I played sports growing up. I had a lot of uh, black coaches. Uh, a lot of the guys who ran the boy, the boys club that I went to were black men. So I was able to get some of that black male masculine energy instruction uh, very young growing up. And I played basketball, ran track. My mother primarily did not teach me how to do these things. It was men who taught me to do these things. But And I understand why athletes, particularly black male athletes, when they get make it big, they'll say, thank you, mama, because nine, ten times the biological parent being their mother was the one that was there. And the mother, when mothers raise their sons, they sort of raise their sons to be sort of like, well, you respect the young lady, you pull the door, the door open for her, all these different things. And, uh, and what happens is, is that men, when we're raised by women, we're not taught to hold women accountable for, the, for when they do things that are not right because we've been so culturally conditioned by our mothers that you never say this to a woman, you never do that, you don't, you don't hold them accountable, you're the man, you stay accountable, and what have you. And so I think um, what bothers me is when um, a woman will say that she is a single mother. I'm, I'm going to put it to you like this. If you, are a, if you are have a son or a daughter and the father is in the life of your child and he has 50-50 custody, you're, you're working together as, as parents living in separate houses, but the man is there every step of the way, financially, spiritually, emotionally, everything in that child's life, because I'm in that situation now with my ex. I've been divorced for 11 years, brother ex. And um, that woman in my mind cannot go around calling herself a single mother when the man, whether he's not married to you, is still involved in the child's life from every step of the way to go. And I'm that such man. What are your thoughts about that, brother X? Because I hear a lot of sisters say this sometimes. I'm a single mother. Even when a man is involved in a child's life and doing all the things that I just said, what are your thoughts? Well, on that, I believe that if the brother is in the child's life, she's not a single mother. She co-parents. I mean, I believe that to be a co-parent, you guys co-parent. You know, if the man is in the child's life, whether y'all live together or not, you are co-parenting. Um, I think that's somewhat of, uh, if you, if you have a brother that's in the child's life, I think that's just you trying to, you know, uh, make yourself seem somewhat of a victim, if you will, because if the brother's there, you're not doing it all alone. You're not doing it singularly. It's, it's plural. It's both of you. So, right. No, I mean, she, I, I don't really use the term single mother. You know, I say baby mama a lot, but I don't, (laughs) I don't really use the term single mother. I say unwed mother. Um, I consider them unmarried mother, unwed mothers. Mm -hmm. I consider them that because they're not married. They never have been married. Um, they're un- they're unwed mothers, but it, like I said, I'll say again: if you're in a child's life, she's not even that. She co-parents, right? Let me she do a few shout-outs if I could. We got grown man's business who sent me a super chat. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the Brother. super chat. Grown man's Brother business, GMP. yeah. And then we got Sister Tammy who sent me a super chat be- earlier. Thank you for the super chat. Excuse me, everybody. We got uh, Carter's Eats. This is a sister in here who is uh, married 
the sister's married. She says both her and her husband, you know, they work together in harmony to to raise their kids. And I want to say uh, peace to uh, to uh, Carter Eats. Make sure y'all check out her channel. Go over there and subscribe. Uh, grown man business. He says salute brother X and brother info. I appreciate you, brother. For, for the super chat, I really do. We got R.Y. in the house. Peace to you. Black uh, Black Shark. We got the Kingdom Marriage. Uh, let me scroll up a little bit more. We got my Art New Style is in the house. Art New Style TV. Everybody check out his channel. The brother's a fantastic artist. He's also a professor. He's a teacher. Works with kids. Works with youth. Um, a lot of good folks have come in, are in the chat room. Uh, Topaz in the chat room. Lady M's in the chat room. Uh, James is in the chat room. Um, thank you, Anita B. Again, oh, Tawana is in the house. I love that sister too. Make sure y'all check out her channel. Uh, don't uh, let everybody in the chat room. Please just go ahead and uh, you know support each other, subscribe to each other channels, check each other channels out, leave comments uh, because that's how you grow. Let's support each other. Uh, with that said, everybody, I really thank you all again for being here, Brother X. Um, let me let me ask you another question, because this is the this is what always sticks on my mind when you said this. I'm very disappointed. You saw the video where you had the brother who was videotaping the sisters going into the into the salon after they were mistreated. Windows were broken out. I think some brothers, you know, did took some things into their own hands. And uh, when the brother went back into the into the uh, establishment, he saw that it was open and you had black women in there getting their hair done where they were being disrespected. And I remember you saying that, you know, our women talk about wanting our protection. And I do believe as black men, we should protect our women, because if you look at other groups, Asians, Latinos, other races of people, they will put their hands on our women, but they won't let you put your hands on their women. They just won't. They got that code like that. And so you said something powerful. You said, well, my first responsibility is to take care and protect my wife, my daughter, the women in my family, because these are women. This is a family that's under my crest. I want you to elaborate about that because that has stayed, stayed in my mind. It is a powerful statement. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, when I say when I say my crest, I mean, you know, you like you said, you know, my wife, my daughters, my granddaughters, these women are directly under my protection directly no if ands buts about it you know i would take a bullet for them you know i would give my life for them these are the women that i'm sworn to protect right because they fly this flag they wear this crest tell the truth so they have my, they have my protection off top um and and my protection doesn't just go as far as you know being around them to protect them physically. Part right. of my protection extends to me teaching them where not to be alone, teaching them how to defend themselves, teaching them how to deal with situations. Um, when it comes to my wife buying her her own pistol, you know, that kind of stuff. 
So, you know, I mean, it extends past me just physically protecting them. So those are the women that they are directly under my protection, without a doubt. And I believe that these type of situations is what would eliminate all of this crap. If women could find themselves under a man's crest, they wouldn't need protection from strangers. They wouldn't need protection from, you know, the rank and file guy that's on the street. They would, they would need protection because they would have someone that they would be under their flag, under their crest, who if, if they're not there physically, they are there in spirit and have taught them what to do, how to react, and if it comes down to it, defend themselves. Because I know me, my wife, I mean, I don't worry about my wife when I'm not with her because not only do she carry a pistol, let me tell you something. You grab it the wrong way, my wife will break your damn arm. Right. Because she knows how to do it. That's right. You know how she know how to do you know how she know how to do it? Because right. I taught her how to do it. You grab my woman the wrong way, boy. Let me tell you something. She, she can dislocate your shoulder. She can dislocate your shoulder. She could she could easily defend herself from a man my size. If you come up, if you come up to do something to her, you better know a little something. You know why? Cause she does. <laughs> Cause she does. And so do my daughters. The only wow. reason why I haven't bought my bought my daughters uh like gun yet is because of where they live, the state that they live in. That's the only reason why they don't have it. But they do carry pepper spray. And guess what? I mean, my daughters could break your arm too. So, so I mean, I, I don't worry about my women. They got me. They got me, so I don't have to worry about them. I don't have to worry about them at all. But wow. far as the rank and file chick walking the street, that's where it gets a little dicey. I mean, it all depends on what's happening to you. You know, if you're getting chased by a pit bull, yeah, I'll step in and, you know, maybe shoot the dog for you. But <laughs> I don't know about if you out there fighting with your boyfriend. I don't know if I don't know if I'm willing to put myself on the line for that because see the women who are under my crest need me to be there for them. Um I could call the police. Yeah, I call the police. I don't think I'm going to go across the street if my neighbors are across the street and he's fighting with his wife. I'm going to call the police. I'm not going over there. I'm not going to intervene. I'm not going to try to pull the guy off of her. I'm not going to do that. Because, see, I know this sounds harsh, but what they got going over there is in the in the category of their business. Right. Now, I pick up I'll pick up the phone and call the cops now. Absolutely. You know? I pick up the phone and call the cops. But as far as like going there and physically trying to protect her, nah, uh-uh, uh-uh. I call the police, keep them from hurting you or killing you or whatever. But, I mean, you under that man crest. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> you're under his crest. So one thing I don't do is get into other kingdoms' business. <laughs> right. That's, uh, that's not what you do, you know? As long as the business ain't coming to the women that's under that fly my flag, I mean, there's not too much I can do. Now, I know women, I know women don't want to hear that. They want to, you know, they want to hear you say, 
Oh, you know, if I see something happening to, you know, a sister out there, you know, I'll jump in. You know, that's what they want to hear, man. But that's not realistic. And that's not the real world. If brothers were out there putting their lives on the line for these rank and file women, it'd be more of us laying dead in the street than we are now. Because, you know, that kind of stuff backfires. Now, on the other side of that, they may be talking about isolated threats. They may be talking about, you know, you get some crazy white man want to beat him up or, you know, something like that. But those incidents are so isolated. It's not like they're happening every single day. I think it's, I think a lot of it is a little overblown. I mean, are there some instances out there? Of course they are, man. Of course. You know, there's some instances out there, you know, where, you know, a, 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 a chick may be out there somewhere and, you know, some dude is harassing her or something like that or trying to do physical harm to her. But I don't think that the problem is as bad as we've blown it up to be. I just don't think it's that bad. What I would tell brothers, because this is this is the position I take assess the situation Mm -hmm. okay i mean assess what you what you looking at and make the decision there don't be jumping out there with your cape on you know trying to save every damsel in distress because it doesn't work man it's not realistic i mean women probably want it to be wow let me read uh what tammy what tammy said she said if women want a good man then women need to be worthy of a good man. Now, I actually agree with that to a certain degree because <clears throat> what women need to, what women, what I, I'm going to say this, and I, I wonder if you will agree or disagree with me. I think men, we put women in different categories based on how women behave around us, how we perceive them through their behavior, right? So we got women in categories that, hey, this is just a woman we want to have a smash and grab with. This is a woman that I just want to have a good time with. This is a woman that's marriage material. This woman's never going to meet my family. I've been like that all my life. There are certain women that I've been involved with that were never going to meet my mother, my family, or any of my close friends because I didn't put them on that level because of how they presented themselves. Men, for the ladies that are in the chat room, men, we look at how you present yourself. And when you present yourself in a way that's sort of like a whore, then we're going to treat you that way because you present yourself that way. So a lot of times what the sister is saying is true. I think women have to be work, make themselves worthy of a good man. Every woman says they want a good man, but you got to think about what is the criteria of a good man? Are you making the right choices? Because I personally have seen women in my experience make poor decisions in the type of men that they get involved with. Things go wrong. You know, the, you know, the story They get involved with the, with the, the, the big muscular guy who's got the vibe that turns them on makes them hot between the pants and then that dude runs through them do them wrong and then they want to come back and uh, get with the dude that was in school working hard maybe he's a little nerdy and then when they want to get married they want to settle down with someone then they go back to the guy that they overlooked because he didn't have enough swag for them he didn't he wasn't bad boy enough for them and then they end up paying the price for it as they get older Now they're looking for the guy that they weren't checking for when they were younger. And that guy may not be checking for them anymore. And I know particularly when it comes to black men being with, you know, white women and other groups of women. And sometimes our women don't like that. um, Almost as if we are possessions. We are their possessions. 
And let me end this and that you take over from here, brother. Certainly as black men, we also need to think about the type of women that we get involved with as well. And the decisions that we make when we get involved with women that are not what you would call marriage material type of women. Because I've seen guys come in a barber shop and say, man, I didn't know she was crazy. <laughs> you got her pregnant now. You, you know, so what are your thoughts about some of these some of these subject matters, uh, Brother X? Well, when it comes to that kind of stuff, um, I think we as we as a people often make uh, bad bad decisions with who we choose to procreate with. Um, we as men, you know, we we often, you know, we like the way that skirt fit, you know, and uh, all that. And sometimes we'll we'll overlook we'll overlook the the crazy, we'll overlook the the sociopathy, if you will. <laughs> we look we look past all of that stuff, man. We look past all of that kind of nonsense, you know, and especially us young guys, man. When we're young, you know, when we're like right out there, like in our twenties and all that, you know, we have a tendency to, you know, think with our penis and not our minds. But on the other side of that, I think that women do it on a grander scale because see women have a tendency to go for, they have a tendency to go for, for guys who aren't going to be around. It's proven um, with this illegitimate birth rate. That means a lot of women choose guys who weren't going to be around. Let's, let's call it what it is. Okay. When we got this number of illegitimate births, and I know people say, well, you know, those are the white man's stats, and you don't know how true those numbers are, and, you know, you don't know what uh, marriage really is. And, and let's talk about that while we're here. Here we go again. I told you I was going to make some folks mad, right? Now, you often hear, you know, not the sidebar, but... You often hear people say, well, you guys always uh, quote me stats about marriage. Um, you don't, you guys don't, marriage isn't just uh, 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 that piece of paper and official white men doctrine and all this kind of nonsense. This is, this is the rub to that though. Okay. Marriage, marriage is recognized everywhere. It isn't just recognized in white man's America. White uh, marriage is recognized wherever, on every continent, in every country. So, not all not all marriages are some symbol of what white people have put in place because marriage is recognized all over this world. If you're married, you're married. Your your marriage is recognized wherever you go in the world. So when people talk that, oh, man, you know, uh, if people are together for seven years, it's common law marriage. Yeah, it's common law marriage. But guess what? You go somewhere else, it won't be recognized. If you and a woman get married here, guess what? Wherever you go, that's going to be recognized mm -hmm. as a marriage. Right. That is the difference. Right. Okay. But aside from that, like I said, we have so many illegitimate births, births out of wedlock, 
What that says to me is that women have chose men that weren't going to be around or more recent are not around now. Okay, let They're me not around. Let me ask you this question then, uh, Brother X. The other night ago or last week, last Sunday, I did a controversial show, call-in show, related to the young lady that was uh, Tatiana uh, Jefferson who was killed by the despicable police officer. And uh, Mm -hmm. during that that video, we kind of veered into a conversation that I wasn't expecting, but we went with the flow where we kind of got ahead of manosphere type conversation in this same subject matter that you're talking about now. And I did mention, and, you know, brothers were like, no, no, you can't say that info, but let me just say this. Yes, I I, I agree with you. Women are are making bad decisions with the kind of guys that they're laying down with, and I said this a week ago. But what about the – there are guys out here that are musty, crusty, and dusty – and when they get with women, they have no intentions of being a father or raising a child if they impregnate that woman. And yes, the woman should be accountable for the man that she lays down with. But what is the accountability? I'm just asking of the guys who do lay down with women, impregnate them, and do not live up to a responsibility that it's still their child. What is their responsibility? Is it just like, hey, it's scorched earth. It is what it is. What do you think? Well, fortunately, according to statistics, that is a very small population of black men that have these children with these women and they're just not around. They're deadbeats. They got 25, 30 baby mamas. Fortunately for us, the stats are on our side, and that is a very, very tiny part of the black father population because most black men don't have children anyway. I know people don't like to believe that, but statistically, I believe only about 40, somewhere between 45 and 48% of black men actually have children. Right. Okay. Right. That's not even half. It's not even half of black men that's walking this earth right now that are, that are of procreation age, meaning 18 to 40, don't have children. They don't have children. But somewhere in the number of, I believe, 56 and 65 percent of black women, I may even have the numbers off when you go to the inner cities, it may be as high as 80 percent of black women do have children. Now, what does that mean? Tell the you truth. would think it would be 80, 80% and 80%, right? Yes. You would and that, that, would be, that would be impossible because women outnumber us men by two to one, at least, right? Right. So there, there's more of them than it is of us, right? We can, we can say that. It's more of them than it is of us, but somehow a smaller percentage of us have children and a larger percent of them have children. What does that mean? That means that a lot of these women in these statistics are doing what? Having children by the same guy. Cause men we're capable of making more. We can create more children than women can in a particular time span. Once a woman's pregnant, that's it. She's pregnant. 
eight, nine months, she's not going to get pregnant again. A man can knock up three women a day, 10 women a day, 20 women a day. He can do it. All he got to do is have the, have the energy in a, in a six pack of Viagra, right? right? right. He can, he can create more children than a woman can. So if you got 60, 70, 80% of black women of procreation age, have children and only about 46% of black men of procreation age have children. What does that mean? A lot of these black women in pockets of society are having kids with the same guys. That's why you see guys with 20 baby mamas, 30 baby mamas, 50 baby mamas, a thousand baby mamas. Because let me see if I'm saying this right. There's a lot of, a lot of times this has been proven a lot of times women are probably sharing the same dude. So therefore, so then, cause I saw this when I, you know, growing up through the eighties, I was in high school, junior high school through the eighties. I saw a lot of uh, situations where women were sharing the same guy that they had, a, they had, they had fallen, fallen for. And I've seen it time and time again. Let me just give a shout out to uh, alpha Omega. Let me give a shout out to brother underrated darkness. My heart goes out to you brothers. I've, um, you know, I know Brother Underrated Darkness has had a loss in his life, his brother, and I just want to say peace and love to Underrated Darkness for being here. I want to say peace and love to Brother Aduvian. I see Sister Gigi is in the house. Now, Gigi said that sometimes men lie and, uh, and, 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 and things of that nature. They'll, you know, you know you, you've heard the story. The man will tell a woman what she wants to hear uh, to get in the panties, and then, you know, certain things happen. But once again... See, this is the problem. I think because women operate on emotions, men we operate supposedly on, or we or we should on logic. Women are going to go with how they feel, how the man makes them feel, and what have you. And this is um, can be problematic when it comes to women being willing to share a man. I think uh, the sister Tammy said earlier, a woman. You have to be worthy of that right man, and that means that you have to not get yourself involved with the wrong type of dudes out here that are using you uh, for sexual conquest and have no intentions uh, of being um, father and husband material. And, you know, there's other ethnic groups or other groups that I've noticed when they're raised, you know, they're taught to look at potential that a man could possibly have in some cases. Uh, in the black community, we get caught up in nostalgia, clothes, what, he, what the guy looks like, what he's got, and all these different things um, that allow people to make poor decisions with the kind of individual that they bring into their life. Um, let me see. And, and we got Brother BMT, who's come in the house. He says, great show. Thank you for being here, Brother BMT. And we got... Uh, Make them in the house, Anita, Tammy's in the house. A lot of great people. People are coming in little by little. Uh, once again, everybody, this is the Information Man Show. We've got Brother uh, The Prophet of Thought series on. We're getting into a little bit of a lot of different conversations around relationships, black men, black women. Um, let me ask you a question, Brother. Uh, brother AM1, and he took a lot of heat for this. Uh, AM1, and peace to him if he's out there. He said that maybe black people, we should take a hiatus from having babies. We should take a, and regroup ourselves. You've heard the philosophy. What is your, what is your thought? And he's saying that we should take a hiatus from having babies because we, if we can't take care of them, 
then why are we having children? Well, I agree with him totally if your ass broke. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is what this is what I say. If you're young and, you know, got this girl, she broke as hell. Mm-hmm. Got this guy. Right. He's broke as hell, too. If they have a baby, what does that make? Instead of two broke-ass people, what have you done? Now you've created a third broke-ass person. So now there's three broke people. Unless that baby falling out of that hole with a fistful of $100 bills, you just created another broke person. That's what you did. If he's broke and you're broke, the baby's going to be born rich? No. You Mm -hmm. just created another broke person. That's what you just did. Now y'all gonna be even y'all gonna be even more broke now because now you got this other broke ass person that y'all just created. Right. Right. And now y'all gotta whatever whatever brokenness you got going on between the two of you, now it's it's not broke divided by two anymore. Now it's broke divided by three. Isn't it? Right. Let me just let me just say something. You're you're 100 right, brother. To Lady Anne in the chat room, welcome here. Listen to the conversation. Engage with people. Uh, my thing is like this: no matter what your race is, as as long as no one is trolling in the channel, you start. If anyone trolls, then we get rid of them. Okay. Um, I know you subscribe to my channel. You know I've been in a lot of different chat rooms lately, uh, brother um, brother X. Uh, there's a uh, YouTube is a vast world. There's people who get into the what do you call this mug bane where they eat food and <laughs> uh, there's all kind of different channels out there that are interesting. But my thing is, as long as you don't tr- you don't you don't troll, you don't cause no problem, or we have or we will get rid of you. Um, but I know who you are already. Um, we got some good folks in the chat room. Let me read a few. Let me read a uh, something here. We got uh, some of our sisters will only look at what was done to them and never at the red flag that led to the event they ignore. And it's always be someone else's fault. Um, but I got to this is an interesting point. Uh, the great black shark. Now, let me let's let's get on. Let's let's get on the male side. Uh, Brother X. What are the let's mistakes that what are the mistakes that black males are, are making. Now, we got the black males who lay up on their grandmothers and, you know, mamas and mama. And they, they're not doing nothing. They, they're irresponsible. They got no structure. And sometimes there's a term we use in psychology called interdependent personalities. People who are interdependent on other people blame other, pe- blame other people for their shortcomings, but so dependent. Um what are the mistakes that brothers are making, whether it be relationships, whether it be getting our shit together? Because uh, I know in the, in the manosphere, there's a lot of talk about black men building themselves up, you know, spiritually, mentally, physically, getting your money together, not making women on top of the polling pole of your objective. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, what type of guys, what type of guys does that describe? Mm. Um, mm. Interesting. You know, a lot of this is the thing 
and and I know people are not going to like this, but I don't care. A lot of black males, man, a lot of black males are raised by who? <laughs> I'm so glad that you who played are they that. Raised by? Who are they raised by? <laughs> who are they raised by? They're raised by their mothers, right? Right. Like That's I true. said earlier. That's true. The, the bastard the bastard sons of the infamous baby mama, right? So you have this you have this woman raising this young man who she's not capable of turning into a man. Now, lack of any male structure, he doesn't have a uncle, a grandfather, or an older cousin or mm-hmm. something like that. Because chances are, you know, if she's if she's one of those irresponsible baby mamas, chances are the men she's the men that she is dating are not going to get the job done. They're there for her. They're not there for the sons. So what happens? These guys grow up without any male structure, any male guidance, any male counsel, any male instruction. So how on earth? How on earth can this man know how to function out in the out in the world as a man, especially pertaining to women? You would think with all of these guys, okay, with all of these guys that are being raised by these women, you would think that these would be the greatest guys in the world, right? right. They would be the most caring, you know, they would be the most fatherly they would be the most uh understanding they would be the most responsible because you would think this is what their mother is teaching them right how to be responsible don't don't be like the man who impregnated me and disappeared you know they would be being taught all this stuff right right but so but somewhere out there in black society this isn't being taught is it these brothers are being irresponsible. These brothers are uh, going out there making 15, 20 baby mamas. Are they not? You're trying to tell me that a man that goes out and has 25 baby mothers was taught responsibility. And I guarantee you go find that boy, go find him. I guarantee he was raised by just his mama. Mm. Well, let me, Bet you he's raised by just his mama. Let me ask this question. And everybody in the chat room, um, let me just say shout out to everybody in the chat room. If I'm not able to say everybody's name, no disrespect to you. Uh, deep in thought is in the house. Peace to you, brother. Uh, the conversation is going, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to focus on the conversation because uh, brother X, prophet of thought, is putting down some jewels right now. Now, this is what I need everybody to do. If you can do this, everybody, especially the moderators in the chat room right now. Um, I need you to run. Now I'm sounding like Umar Johnson. Run them donations. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I need y'all to run Brother um, brother Prophet of Thoughts channel. Run his link through the chat room because I want everybody in the chat room and everybody out there listening to uh, go to this brother's channel and subscribe, give him support because uh, he's given us uh, truth tonight. But I got to ask this one. Here's another. It's going to be controversial. Uh, brother, um, 
this is how I see things. When we are on YouTube and, you know, we talk, you hear a lot of conversations in the manosphere around these issues that we're talking about tonight. Are we putting too much butter on the bread, Brother X? And what I mean by that is, are we, there's a thing I always say, there's a, you maximize the minimum and you minimize the maximum. So let's say that um, 2.5, uh, 2.5 million black men have moved into the upper middle class. That's been documented, that black men are the best fathers, okay? Uh, there's there's yep. even documentation. I did a video about this that shows that when um, black women do get married, because there's all this talk about interracial marriage, but actually when black women are married, there are more black men getting married to black men to black women, I'm sorry, to black women then are not getting married. So when black women are married, nine out of ten times they are married to a black man. A black man is marrying and committing to a black woman. There's this notion that black men don't want to marry black women or uh, because we're running and chasing other women of other races and putting them on a pedestal. But when I look at the numbers, the majority of women Black women, when they are married, it's black men marrying black women and having black children. So, with that said, is are we uh, over? Are we uh, magnifying our community and demonizing it in a way that may not be true? Meaning, there is a small, there is a number of people, women and men out there, that are doing ratchet behavior. But does that ratchet behavior reflect on the majority or the large mass of black people? And are we simply using the arguments that we're talking about tonight and another and other times that we've been on panels? Are we using those arguments and magnifying it as if it's bigger than what it really is? Is it really a small represent? I believe it's a small representation, but it's one that can be destructive to our community. What are your thoughts? Well, I agree. Um, I don't think that it's the majority of black people out there doing this so crazy mess. You know, I mean, it's a, a, a thank God it's only a minority of us. Imagine if it was like 90% of us out there acting like jackasses. I mean, things would be incredibly worse. Right. Uh, <laughs> would be incredibly worse. But on the other side of that, it's enough of it to matter. Mm. It's enough of it to to make it look like it's a lot of it. You know, it's it's enough of it to make it look like it's a lot of us because you see it so much. Now, I say again, um, is it a small is it a small number of us? Mm. Yes. Of course it is. It's not the most. It's not most of us out there, man, out there making all these kids and bringing them into poverty. It's not most of, I don't believe it's most of black women uh, out there doing this crazy mess. But I think it's enough of them for it to matter. Okay. I think it's enough. I think it's enough men out there um, impregnating multiple women in multiple spots. I think it's enough of it to matter. I would like to believe that it's not the bulk of us. I would like to believe that. Right. Okay. And I, and I do believe it, but there's, there's a certain amount of us, man, 
who do have a tendency to make the rest of us who are not like that look bad. That's what I believe. I mean, you you often hear the argument that, you know, you guys, you know, look at all the, the horrible stuff and mm-hmm. the bad stuff. And, right. You know, this, this is what y'all look at. It's not that we look there. It's that it's so much of it. We don't have to look. It's right in front of our faces, man. Right. It's right in front of our faces. Mm. We don't have to look. You don't have to look far. All you got to do is walk out of your damn door. All you got to do is turn on this computer. You don't you don't have to go far. You have to search it. It's it's right in your face. Wow. It is. Let and me... it's in your face enough to make it think, make you think that is most of us. Wow. Let me say shout out to Mr. RJ. We got brother RJ in the house. Love that brother. And we got I got to give some props to a black man. They haven't forgotten about you, brother black man who's come in and uh, said a few words in the chat room. Great to see you. We got more wiki TV in the house. A lot of great people. Brother George Frazier's just come in. Let me ask this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask some unpopular questions. Um, brother, do black people. Do we whine too much? Do we talk too much about racism? Do we need to just focus on what we need to do instead of because uh, some people would say that when we talk about racism, we talk about social ills in society that impact us. There are some and you hear it on YouTube sometime that will say that we're uh, what are you calling it? We're we're, we're using excuses. You know, I, I, I was taught that excuses are tools of the incompetent and those that use them seldom succeed. Are we playing the blame game? Are we putting crutches on ourselves when we complain about all these different things? What are your, what are your thoughts? I think some of us do. I think some of us, uh, we use the white power structure excuse too much. We use the, the white supremacy excuse too much, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'll be the first to say, you know, does white supremacy exist? Yes. Um, does it has an does it have an effect on black folks' lives? Yes. Um, is the white power structure designed to hamper some of us? Mm. Yes, yes to all of those questions. Wow. But I would like I would like to see black folks use that as a motivator as opposed to an excuse to be stagnant. Mm. And what I mean, and what I mean when I say that, of course, I'll give you the argument. I'll give you the white power structure argument. I will give you that all day. Right. But I've all, but I've always been taught that experience is what happens to a person. Experience is what a person does with what happens to them. So if we're experiencing all of these things that are so-called got their boots firmly pressed against our black faces, mm. we should be doing, we should be doing any and everything to get that boot off. Whatever it takes to get that. If you say the boot is there, fine. I'll give you that argument. Right. You say the boot is there. 
The question is, what the hell are you doing to get the boot off your face? What are you doing to, to get it off besides saying it's on my face? That's where I stand on that. Because this is how I am, brother. Um, you know, we on, 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 in black YouTube, you got, you know, a lot of times we get pushed into these different labels. Pro-black, Manosphere, Red Pill, all these different labels that we give each other. And, and that's, I personally think, like tribalism, the labels is what is holding us back. Because black people separate ourselves by our religion, our political views, our social views. We separate ourselves by I'm a Muslim, I'm a Hebrew Israelite, I'm Christian. We have all these different things that we label ourselves at. Oh, I'm not, we're not from Africa, we're from, we're aborigine. We like all these labels and these highfalutin phrases that we like to use. But these are things that sometimes we need to be able to say, this is what I am. But at the end of the day, we're all black and we need to come together and work on what is in the best interest of black people. I said that a week ago when I did my last other show. Thank you for the super chat, brother RJ. Let me give you a hit there. Thank you for the super chat. Thank you, brother. So we're all these different things, but we tend to separate ourselves in these groups that we're a part of. Do you think that the labels that we give ourselves is sort of uh, holding us back from really dealing, because it's, is, is it an excuse for us just to not do the work by just saying, well, I can't work with this person because I'm Muslim and they're Christian? Well, I don't believe it's the so much of the labels that we use, man. Okay. I think that, it's more of the the mind frames that we have. Uh, I've said this before, and I and I'll say it now. And I know people probably don't like to hear this kind of stuff either. But I mean, there's never going to be a time where you know all black people are going to all be on the same page. Why? Because there's probably millions of different kinds of black people. It's not like it's only like four or five kinds of black people, or or four or five different groups or categories of, of black people. Right. There's probably millions of different categories of black people because, you know, I hate to use the old cliche that, that we hear all the time, but black folks are not a monolith. Right. Okay? We're not. Mo That's right. I, yeah. We're not a monolith. I mean, people would like to say that we are, and I guess in a sense they want us to be, but news flash folks, it's never going to happen there are too many different kind of black people for all black people to be on the same page it's going to be if black people are going to work together number one is going to be black people who are of like mind or like idea it may not necessarily be like religion like culture like class but it has to be people who are of like mind and or like idea mm -hmm. that's those are the people that are going to be able to work together because the people who aren't like-minded or have the same or have the same or similar ideas those people are not going to be able to work together just because they're black and i think that's the mistake we've made okay that's the mistake we made thinking that oh we're all black so we're all going to be able to do this that's bs man it's a fairy tale 
it's not. It, it it it's not going to happen. That's a fairy tale, man. Wow. It's it's not. Let me say, damn, that's a good point. Um, let me say what's up to um, Lockhead Boss Lady. I got a lot of mad respect for the sexy Lockhead Boss Lady. She's coming to chat room. She's putting out the link. We got uh, Sonia C's in the house. We got Pro Woman in the house. What's up, Pro Woman? Uh, Brother Matthews is in the house. A lot of great people are coming in. And, of course, our Mr. RJ, brother, you are the best, brother. Thank you again for the super chat. I much appreciate, uh, brother. And I got to get you up here next to have an interview with you, brother RJ. We got M- Alabama Finest says, peace, info. Join the conversation. Thank you for uh, coming in and joining the conversation. We got my man, uh, the Prophet of Thought Series, in the house. Make sure y'all run his link to the chat room tonight so that everybody can get their butts over to his channel and subscribe. He's got a lot of hot stuff going on in his channel. He has live streams on Wednesday and Thursday nights. He gets a lot of brothers throughout black YouTube that come on and speak the truth. Okay, speaking that truth. And um, so we're just we're just getting into it right now. We're talking about a lot of different subjects around black men, black women. Let me ask you uh, another question, uh, Brother X. I've always been curious. Um, what is it about the Manosphere on YouTube? And I've seen you on panels. What is it about it that captivates you? Because um, I think that there's nothing greater than black men building black men up and having a place for black men to express our issues. Because to be quite fair about this, Black women have magazines, they have Essence, they have Ebony. Most of the publications really in this society when it comes to black women, things that are produced by black people, it really are these magazines and these kind of shows that you see on TV, they're really centered around uh, speaking to black women. You know, the Essence magazines, those kind of things. And there really isn't a lot in the mass market Uh, whether it be magazines or shows on TV, you don't have a black male view show (laughs) on television where black men can really be honest the way we can be honest with what we're doing here. Um, What is it about, what is important about the black, the the black manosphere? Because there's been a lot of criticism. People have their criticisms and all this other stuff, but what is the, what is the most, what is it important about it? What to you, you think makes it effective? Well, when I, I didn't start being around it until about 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, and I'm sure it probably started before that, but I mean, I was around the, when they kind of were constructing it, if you will, um, all the guys that kind of you know, kind of put it out there and made it what it was. I mean, I I was aligned with all of those guys. You know, I sat on those guys' panels, um, came on their radio shows, you know, so I, I've been around it for a while. I mean, I'm not new to, you know, to the quote-unquote manosphere by no stretch of the imagination. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm far I'm far from a Johnny-come-lately and, and all the people <laughs> who claim all the people who claim Manosphere will will second that. There's no denying that. I was around it before it really even was being called that. To be honest, I was I was around the so-called founding fathers of it, if right. you will. And that found um, those founding fathers would be, um, let's see, um, 
Brother Arsenian, right? Mm-hmm. Angry mm-hmm. Man. And I know mm-hmm. uh, Brother O'Shea, right? The three, yep. three, three hitters. Yep. Okay. Um, yep. So those brothers. And shout out to Brother O'Shea. Shout out to Brother uh, Angry Man and Obsidian um, Radio. Uh, shout out to those brothers. I've been on their panels. Um, you know, we get into some heated conversations about a lot of things when we're with, when we're with those brothers. But uh, it's all in great. Uh, it's all about building up ourselves as men. Let me see, brother, what kind of advice, because I heard you go in last night on your show, what would you do, uh, because I've had experiences working with young uh, men, trying to mentor, get them into school, trying to um, give them a positive black uh, example of what black manhood is and how black men can come together. I've been in situations where we've tried to take young men out of their community surroundings and let them see something else. We've done, we've had programs where we've had, where we have uh, brothers that come in of different professions. Because I believe that whenever a young black male or young lady wants to become something, the most important thing that we can do is provide them with someone who is doing that which they want to do. So if they, so if you want to be if they want to be a lawyer or a doctor whatever it may be and we can put someone right before them that looks like them that can empower them to know that they can do it because that's what I see that's different in other groups they have examples we need more examples I personally have a problem today with where you see uh, rappers and all these entertainers who tend to get all the attention and sway paid to them and our kids are focused. And all these damn uh, uh, cell phones and they don't have interpersonal skills anymore. Everything's about these celebrities and things of that nature. How would you, what is your strategy for how you deal with youth and your experience in terms of mentoring them, um, you know, tough love, whatever it is you've had to do, brother? Well, if you look at what we have now compared to what we had then, right? Right. When we, when we were younger, we were different kind of young folks. Um, and we had different kind of older folks trying to teach us. Nowadays it's different. The young folks now are a lot different than we were. And we are probably a lot different than the older folks who used to talk to us. So you're talking about two different dynamics. You're talking about different, you're talking about different older people and different younger people. Okay. In a different time. Cause think about when we were younger, we didn't grow up with cell phones and iPads and, and, and smart TVs and, you know, ESPN and all that kind of stuff. You know, I know me, I'm old. So I didn't grow up with any of that. I didn't grow up with, you know, uh, video games and all that kind of, I didn't grow up with, with that kind of stuff. You know, when I start seeing, when I saw video games, they were in an arcade. (laughs) That's me. That's me. (laughs) Okay. They were, they were, they were in the arcade. They weren't in the house. Right. So, I mean, the stuff that has, the stuff that has contributed to the, I don't want to say the raising of, of young people now, but the influences 
that it has. The influencing of young people now is very, very different. Young people are not just influenced by older people anymore. Young people are influenced by media, music, the internet, uh, their old jackass friends at school. You know, they are, <laughs> they are more, yeah, they're influenced by other things than older people and or their parents. When we were younger, those were our influ- those were our influences. Older people, our parents, our uncles, um, a coach, you know, some guy who sat under the tree and played checkers mm. in the park. You know, wow. we were we were influenced by people. Right. Nowadays, young folks are influenced by everything besides people and the people that do have a tendency to influence young folks now are the celebrities, the singers, the entertainers, the professional athletes, you know, that kind of stuff has a lot of influence on young folks now where when we were coming up, we weren't influenced by, you know, so many outside influences. It, It was more so the village raising the child per se, Mm -hmm. but now the village raising the child is the problem because the village now isn't just auntie down the street, Miss Johnson down the road. Now the village is television, internet, smartphones, uh, Little Wayne, Nicki Minaj, Jay-Z, Beyonce. I mean, the village has expanded that's raising the child now. Mm-hmm. Tammy, thank you, you for those good words. Well, let, let me see, brother. Um, see, I rem- those of you who are from the Bay Area, we used to have a thing called the Fun Center in downtown San Francisco. So when you were talking about the, the arcade games, that's the first time I ever laid eyes on it before it even got to that Pung game. And they got rid of the Fun Center in San Francisco. It was a place for us to go hang out. Um this is the thing I'm noticing because Marcus Love and peace to Marcus Love, peace to Alabama Fitness. We got new Aaron King who King who's come in, um, and uh, Art New Style has come back in. Make sure y'all check out his channel too. The thing that really bothers me is that he's right. There's no interpersonal skills back in the day before we had all this electronic gadgets. You had to learn how to look people in the eye, talk. Even when it came to dating, you had to have the gift of gab. You had to be able to approach a young lady, talk. You couldn't hide behind no dating app. I personally believe uh, that this whole technological has screwed up relationships. You got more people getting divorced because people are messing around and cheating using the social media, okay, platforms. You got people uh, using these platforms to meet people for dates. There's no, there's no connection anymore. And I think in some ways uh, the gadgets that we're using has really screwed up the whole dating game, the whole male and female uh, relationship game. Brother, what are your thoughts? I think it's, I think it's screwed. Um, I believe the same thing. I mean, <laughs> we, li- we live in a very impersonal time now. I mean, let us be clear. Everything is very impersonal. Um, like I said, with the rise of media, um, cell phones and, you know, uh, YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and right. Instagram and all this kind of nonsense. I mean, with the rise of all of that stuff, music, entertainment, 
um, that that stuff has augmented black society, man. Because usually, I mean, whatever affects one society in an adverse way, it usually affects black society tenfold. And in I believe that media has affected many of us like that all, you know, all over this country, not just black folks, but I just feel like it has affected black folks the worst, which is, which is usually what happens. You know, if, if, if something has a negative, if it has a negative kind of uh, effect on one society, the effect it has on us is 10 times that it's 10 times as negative, man. That That's just the way it is with black folks. You know, you know, the old saying when, uh, white folks catch a cold, black folks catch the flu. Right. So, right. you know, media, media isn't any, any different. It's not any different, man. It's, it's affected us to the point where many of us have become, uh, socially misaligned we don't really know how to deal with people because what are we doing all the time we're texting we're uh uh, dming right you know we're emailing we're skyping we're i mean we're not looking people in the eye and shaking their hands we're not I mean, we talk with somebody back and forth on social media for how long and then when you meet up it's all awkward because see you never spoke you never looked each other in the eye. You never shook hands. You never asked the person face to face how they were doing. Right. I mean, this this is what we have now. And it's affecting adults. So imagine the children growing up in that. How are they going to be? How are they going to be? You ever seen people? You ask somebody what time it is. And they look where they look. They don't look at their watch. They look at their damn cell phone. You ask somebody a question, the first thing they do is what? They don't sit back and think about it or be like, oh, let me go in and read this book and find it. No. They get right on their phone and they Google it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. So not only have we had our social capital our social skills kind of erased, if you will. That's right. We've, we've also, we also have had our civility somewhat erased because media, man, and technology has made it so that what? So people don't have to be personable anymore. You don't have to do anything anymore. You don't even have to leave your house to get paid. That's true. You don't even have to leave your. You don't even have to leave your house to. I could send you money right now, sitting right here. I get right on my phone and go right out of my account to your account, and you'll have that money right now. Wow. Let me let me ask it's you this. Made us complicit. Wow. Let me ask you this question because it goes right to what we're talking about. Uh, when I was growing up, and I'm sure it was the same for you, we used to go outside before we had all the video game stuff and we played imaginative games. Now, when I was growing up, we used to play, I want to make some folks laugh. We used to play girls chase the boys, boys chase the girls. <laughs> we used to go to the playground. We used to get on our bikes and our big wheels. Remember the big wheels? We used to play, we used to go out there and make and do imaginary games. I remember, you know, you be a mad, you use your imagination. Um, I noticed 
that I don't see as many kids outside as I did before. I don't know how it is where you are playing imaginative games. If they are outside, they're, they're not outside. They're in the house playing video games or they're being taken somewhere to do something. But I don't see kids doing those imaginary games that we played as a child where they really develop a bond with their uh, with the kids that they grow up with. Where you live at, Brother X, do you see uh, some similarities that you don't see as many kids outside playing those imaginative type games that we once played? Or do you think, or what are, you, what are your thoughts? Well, I don't really see it at all. I mean, where I am, when I, when I do see kids, because there's not a lot of kids in the neighborhood that we live in now. Not a lot. There's some, but there's not a lot. Um, when I do see them, they're walking down the street, man, and they're on their damn cell phones. Right. And I mean, these, and a lot of these kids, I mean, they, they're in elementary school. It's not like they're in high school. Uh, you know, they're like in elementary school. They're like nine years old, 10 years old. They're walking down the street on their damn uh, iPhone. That's what they're doing. I mean, they're not, they're not playing baseball. They're not playing, uh, uh, what's called uh, hide and seek, and or our uh, version that we had when I was younger called uh, hide and go get it, where uh, <laughs> yeah, we used to play we used to play a game called hide and go get it, and it would be like ten girls, ten boys, and the girls would go and hide, and if you found <laughs> if you found girl, you got to hump her. If you found <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. real shit, man. Yeah, that, I mean, people yeah. who grow up, people who grew up on Long Island know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh no, I remember. Nah, brother, I know what you're talking about because I remember playing those games and yeah. we was humping our, uh, you know, with the kind of pants we used to wear, our tough skins. Yeah. <laughs> man, man, hell, hell yeah! If you found her, you know the girls are running high. You know, we count to like twenty or thirty and whoever you found if you found the girl she would let you she would let you hump her yeah right, that was yeah. real man yeah that was real. was real yeah and it was you know and it and, and, and nobody got pregnant folks in, because yeah, we had yeah, our tough skins on fun, you know. <laughs> yeah you know it was, all, it was all in good fun man. what was what you know? was great about those days is that you learned interpersonal skills right and i remember in my neighborhood you always had the rivalry we had some tough some tough uh, uh, females in our neighborhood, we had girls that would beat you up, but then the next thing you know, they try to get with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you, you my boyfriend now. I am your boyfriend. <laughs> when, <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> right? So we yeah, had them kind of, I mean, we had them kind of, I mean, I lived in it. We had the kind of neighborhood if you stole from the grocery store, the, the guy who owned the store would be like, I know who your mama and your daddy is. You're going to get a spanking tonight when I tell him that you stole from me. You know, that was the kind of neighborhood we lived in, you know. And we're far from that, uh, X. Let me ask you this, Brent. This is uh, very important. How much blame, Len? We talk about different generations. You got generation, you got the baby boomers, you got the Gen Xers, you got the millennials, the Y generation's coming around right now. Uh, you got the, uh, 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 how much do the older generations, should they be held accountable for some of the stuff that we're seeing? So, for example, as, 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 a, as a Gen Xer, because we gave birth to some of these millennials, are we partly to blame for this? Because I, this is the reason why I'm, at, I'm saying this to you. I remember growing up having nothing, right? Not, nothing, nada, growing up poor. 
And a lot of us Generation Xers, some of us that grew up poor, we always said that this is what we were going to do if we have kids, that our kids would not want for nothing, that we would spoil them with stuff because we didn't have it. Have we in some way um, created our own Frankenstein monster because we wanted our kids to have more than we ever had? Have we overdone it, and has that fed into the uh, self-entitlement that some of the younger generation appear to be ha- to have nowadays that they're they're so entitled they think they deserve that they don't need to earn it work for it are we to blame who's to blame for this i think some of us are i mean i mean the gen xers we're definitely to we're definitely to blame for the millennials i mean cuz they are our children are they not so i mean we we take a big part in it. Just like if some of some of the people our age are screwed up, we get, you know, some of the blame falls on the boomers. So right. it's the same thing. It's the same thing with the with the millennials. I mean, we're Gen Xers. Um a lot of them are entitled because like you said, you know, we were the generation who wanted to do things more, you know, for our children. And I think that spoiled a lot of them. Um, it made them somewhat lazy, complicit, uh, because they didn't really have to go through what we went through. I say again, I mean, we grew up in a different time with different kind of people rearing us. Um, because think about it. I mean, the Gen Xers, we were, we were young, we were young adults when this whole media thing started to take off. Okay. So in a sense, in a sense, media kind of influenced us too. You know, I know when I was coming up, I was like, what, 18? Uh, when things like MTV was on and, you know, the first computer was in somebody's house that you knew. And, you know, all that kind of stuff was kind of happening, you know, as we were young. Mm-hmm. You know, because we were young, we were part. Uh, we were part of that whole technology uh, spark. You know, with the internet and you know, uh, videos, music videos was the was the crave. You know, the dancing girls with the asses out, and you know, watching uh, BET and Yo MTV raps and right. all that kind of stuff was all that kind of stuff was going on when I was like eighteen, nineteen. You know, I wasn't an adult. I wasn't 30 when that stuff came out. I was like 18 when that stuff came out. So we kind of came up in that hole when it started. You know, I mean, uh, a music video, that was like the, you know, that was the the rave of everything. We used to get together and it'd be like 10 of us, you know, going over my man's house because his pops had a big old TV and we would watch music videos, you know, rap videos on it, you know, for hours, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like 18 during that time, 17 during that time. So we kind of grew up in like a media generation uh, influenced by music and influenced by TV and everything else. So guess what? We transferred a lot of that stuff onto our children. You know what? We you're, did the things. You're right because uh, a lot of us, let's not forget this too. A lot of us grew up as latchkey kids. I was a latchkey kid. Yep. And what would we do? Our parents would be at work working. We would come home from school and we would turn the damn TV on. I remember watching the damn, the, what's, what's that show? The uh, Adams Family, the Monsters, Leave it to Beaver. 
So we were the first actually generation to be introduced to this thing called cable vision, as we used to call it. Remember when the cables would hang outside your house and you would have people that would try to slice into your cable to, from the wires on the outside? Mm-hmm. I mean, I come from that kind of a background, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, the, and the TV would basically raise the child while the parent was still at work. Uh, some of us, um, you know, grew up this way um, because, you know, I hate to play the blame game, but I think we do need to take some cr- some blame for some of the things that we see that are being uh, manifested. Now, let me ask you, let's get into this area, but let me also be respectful of your time, brother. How much, uh, I know it's late back where you are, uh, but how much more time do you have? Because I do want to ask you a few questions to get your opinions on I'm a few good. other things. Okay. I'm good. All right, I just want to be respectful. Um, let me ask you this question. Um, you know, we hear on uh, YouTube quite often brothers saying, don't get married. Marriage is for suckers. <laughs> uh, you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose everything. You're going to lose a shirt off your black back. <laughs> because uh, it's not worth it. You're gonna, the woman's going to take everything from you, and you're going to be living in a box. And I keep hollering back and telling people, well, first of all, the first thing you need to do is you need to get 50-50 custody, if not full custody. I'm going to keep preaching that. I know people are tired of me saying that, but I'm going to keep preaching it. And if you don't get certain level of legal custody of your child in, a, in an event that you get uh, divorced, um you're going to you're going to pay a heavy price as a man in this society especially as a black man. So what is your thoughts about that because you got a lot of the younger generation that's saying no nope, no marriage for me. I'm going to work on my paper. And then sometimes I notice when older cats try to talk to the younger guys about okay, it's nothing wrong with you not wanting to be married or not wanting to be involved with someone right now, but we know that as you get older, you're going to get older someday. And I'm telling you, don't nobody want to be alone <laughs> eating some soup True. like uh, like uh, what's that guy, the, the, uh, like uh, Ebenezer Scrooge eating some can of soup and <laughs> by yourself in a crickety ass house. Um, and that and, and that day is going to come where you want to settle down because you can only screw so many women. You can only drive so many cars, buy so many things with the money that you've earned. And at some point, as you get older. Um, you do not want to necessarily be alone. Now I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna let you take it from there. Whatever thoughts you have on your mind. Well, I mean, I speak as a married man. Um, if you ask me, there should be more marriages uh, within Black society. Now I'm not saying that that marriage will cure all the ills that you know exist in black society but i think it would cure some of them Mm -hmm. um now when you talk when you talk about the you know brothers shouldn't get married piece you know let's let's be honest i mean everything isn't for everybody and marriage is no different i mean marriage isn't for everybody just like having children isn't for everybody i mean there's people out there who have kids who absolutely should not have them now i know people's oh man you can't say that i said it i said it there are people out there who should not be parents at all because they're not equipped they're not equipped financially mentally emotionally 
and and maybe uh, uh, spiritually, if you will. And I think the same thing about marriage. Some people, they aren't equipped mentally. They're not equipped uh, uh, financially. They're not equipped emotionally. So, I mean, it's subjective. You know, it, it's all subjective. And like I said, it's it's not for everyone, but the people who it is for, they have to be careful how they proceed, how they do it, who they decide to do it with. Um, and if you're going to do it, do it for real. I mean, you see people out there who've been married four and five and six times uh, for whatever reason, they felt the need to do it all those times. Right. I'm a true believer that, yeah, I'm a true believer that it should just be one time. You know, I believe that. Uh, cause, cause let's face it, right? If you compare a married couple, especially when you bring children into the mix, cause what, what adults do is what adults do. You know, I, I don't really pass any judgment on what adults do, you know, no matter what that is, whether it's, uh, uh, spending the rest of your life standing underneath a bridge drinking wine or spending the rest of your life trying to build and have something and leave legacy and everything in between that. If you're an adult, hey, you're an adult, it's up to you. But when you start to bring the little tykes into it, see, that's that's my main problem with some of the things that I see. Mm-hmm. The things that affect children, um, Children have a tendency to turn out better when they are raised up with both parents. And that's not just necessarily in a marriage, but they just have a tendency to turn out better statistically. Now, I know that's the white man's stats, you know, because we always said, oh, those are the white man's stats. Hey, it is what it is. You bring me some black stats, I'll quote those because they'll probably be similar. Well, yeah, it'll probably be similar. That's right. Well, if a, <laughs> if, if a child, you're absolutely right, Brother X. If a child is raised by both mother, the fe- feminine, and the masculine energy, that is a child that will be balanced. Now, underrated darkness says, I was, I was married. Uh, I was married. The man and the woman have to make sacrifice to become as one unit, unit, one family. That is true. And that's why. Children that are raised by that one heartbeat of a unit turn out very well when there is stability in the household and the father is there raising the son and then mother gives that nurturing uh, point of view. Let me say shout out to Sonia C's, Marcus Love, and I am Tasha is in the house. She's been in the chat room. Make sure y'all check out her channel. Check out everybody's channels. We got Skinny Boy who's just come in the house. We got Emma. Alabama fitness fits in the house. Um, underrated darkness again. Uh, real Aaron Collins, Anita B. Oh, my man, uh, Earl Owens is in the house. George Frazier. And we got Cap PY2. Brother Cap is in the house. Peace to you. Uh, let's see who else we have here. Like I said, oh, Pro Woman is in the house. Daryl Matthews. Great Black Sharks in the house. So uh, we got some great folks out there. Um, you're absolutely right. The child has better uh, balance. Now, let me let me ask you, 
Because when I deal with guys where I work at, they all keep, they all say to me that the reason why they believe that they ended up in prison is because they did not have the proper father figure or male figure in their life. The gang became their mother and de facto father. The gang became family, everything to them. And now that they're in prison, they're doing life sentences or they have a long sentence. They're saying they wish they would have had some male figure that could have transformed their life. Now, when I do groups and classes with these guys, I almost become their de facto father that they never had. I'm talking about grown men, Brother X, who have made some horrendous mistakes and horrendous criminal um, acts. This is where I'm going with this. What is it that we can do? Can we, how effective can we be as men in transforming our community? Because I think um, Brother Supersly says, let it burn. That there are just some communities you cannot, um, man, you cannot fix. And maybe we shouldn't be focusing on fixing something. Maybe we should be focusing on rebuilding something new. What is your thoughts about that? Are are we wasting our time and trying to repair these communities, or should we just start from scratch and say the hell with those communities out there where black people are not living their best life? Well, the answer to that, brother, info is twofold. Um, because let us be clear. I mean, there's a lot of brothers out there who say, you know, just let it burn. You know, somebody that I'm cool with say that all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I disagree with him, of course. And I don't just, I don't just disagree because I don't want to see it all burn. I disagree because I know some of it is already burning. Okay. Some of it's all, some of it's already burning. Some of it's already burnt to nothing and it's ash. Okay. Um, it's not like uh the fires that exist in certain pockets of black society just started today. Some of them have been burning for years. Right. And some of those some of those fires we're not capable of putting out. Um some of us try. I mean, some of us are out there with our hoses, okay, and our gear and our and our hatchet, but uh it burns just the same. What I believe, what I believe most black men's responsibility to is black to black society is whatever those black men believe their responsibility is. I don't think that any black man should be forced or coerced or uh, made to feel like they are responsible for any community that they have created. And when I and what I mean when I say that is because you create your own community. I'll use myself as an example. Right. I have I have a wife. I have offspring. I have grandchildren. All of those people have my last name. Every single one of those people that I mentioned. You know where they got it from? They got it from me. My wife got her last name from me. My children got my got my got their last name from me. My grandchildren got their last name from them who they got it from me. Mm. 
That is my community. I built it. Right. Didn't I? I built it. So when you talk about the black community, people always saying the black community, there are not enough black communities built because when you talk about community, man, when you talk about neighborhoods, when you talk about black society on a whole, it is so fragmented. Why? Because there are not enough black communities. The black community isn't this one thing. That's what I've been trying to tell people all this time. The black community isn't this one thing. All 40 some odd million of us black people is the black community. No, there are several. There are thousands. There are hundreds of thousands. There are hundreds of millions of potential communities. Right. It isn't some one thing. You know, people always try to make it seem like it's this one thing, man. It's not. My community, I built it. All of these people belong to me. They are my community. I'm responsible for these people. That's right. I don't, nece- I don't necessarily believe that everybody on my block is in my community. That's ridiculous. I don't know everybody on my block. I don't know people from the other side of town. So how can I directly and be be obligated to be responsible for these people I don't know just because they're black? See this see this is what we got. See this is what we got to understand as black folks, man. Like I said earlier, there's millions of different types of black people, right? Right. We're not all we're not all the same. We're not so when we talk about the quote-unquote black community, I think every black man is responsible for building his own, not responsible for building this big old thing that everyone talks about and going back into it and, and, and refining it and trying to put fires out that are burning. No, I believe that black men should be building their own communities for each black man because the community is not this one big old thing it's made it's made up of several different working parts right right Woo. let me say shout out to uh poetic Kelt sister didn't forget about you thank you for for being uh here tonight and i believe we got a uh, cogent 87 who's coming to house and we got black alpha male the pimp <laughs> this uh i had to laugh when i saw this with a little hat got a little hat there with a little feather in <laughs> interesting welcome to the channel if you're new to the channel uh any of you that are new go ahead and subscribe subscribe now as you can see up there check it out and as uh as we're as we're doing a little uh housekeeping here this is the Information Man Show, and we're live on Spreaker, and this will be ported over to um, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, and we got iHeartRadio uh, Podcasts, and over to uh, CastBox. So it's going to hit those platforms that people can listen to this uh, on the replay on there or on here. 
whatever you like. I thank you for being here. Once again, we're talking to uh, my main man, powerful man, and that is the Prophet of Thought series. I've been trying to get him on my show for quite some time. Should have done this a long time ago. But, hell, you know what? We're here tonight. We're having a great conversation. We're going to uh, try to continue the conversation as far as, as far as we can take it with the brother's time. Um, Brother X, let me um, remind everybody, if you could, all the different platforms they can find you on. I know you got a YouTube page. I know you always talk about mm-hmm. getting people as, as part of your YouTube page. I mean, your, uh, let mm-hmm. me correct myself, your Facebook. You got a Facebook. Uh, so break it down to everybody mm-hmm. where they can find you on all the, all the social medias. Well, of course, they can find me on the TPOT YouTube page. You know, just uh, punch in the proper thought series or punch in T T P O T. Of course, I'm going to come up because I'm in the algorithm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can uh, catch up with me on Facebook. You go to our community page. It's proper thought series, proper thought one word um, series. That's our community page. Uh you know, you, you can you can post up there. You can leave a message to me. And I also got a Proper Thought Series fan group page where you can actually join the fan group page. We have that. We have Proper Thought on Instagram, just Proper Thought. No series on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. You're guaranteed to get a follow back. And, of course, we have the Twitter where I threaten your old mama every night if you don't uh, <laughs> follow if you don't follow Twitter, I threatened to, to to haunt your old mama in her dreams and asleep tonight. So, you know, you can catch us. Yeah, you can catch us on Twitter, too. Uh, it's at T-P-O-T Media on Twitter. That's at T-P-O-T Media on Twitter. But we also have, uh, I also broadcast through Radio Yo as well. Uh, many of the people that's out there um, that been following me a while, they know we also broadcast through Radio Yo. You go to Radio Yo, punch in the Proper Thought Series, I'll come up there as well. Um, you also can catch some of my old Proper Thought Series. If you go on my page, I have a Proper Thought Series webpage on wet paint. Um, I haven't updated it lately, but if you hit those links there, you actually can get connected to some of my old radio shows where I used to be on Nubia Hood Radio. Um, it's not a lot of them there. Um, because they only archived, I think, about six or seven of them. But mm-hmm. those are some of my older shows when I actually worked in the radio booth. You can find me there as well. So I got a, I got a little bit of stuff out there. I got a little bit of a footprint out there. If you if you punch in the proper thought series, you will find me. You can Google me. I'm Googleable now. Don't think I'm not Googleable. You go ahead. You punch in the proper thought series, and you know it'll come up. You know you'll see some of the old archive stuff from. Uh, from Nubia Hood Radio, like I said, and of course you can get to, you know, you can get to all my stuff just by Googling me. Cause you know, X is Googleable. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's a, so everybody, you heard that. Uh some of the mods, if you could run, if you haven't already, and if you have, I thank you all for doing so. But if you can run uh Prophet of Thoughts channel uh right in right now so that people can subscribe to his channel that are in the chat room and then those that are listening outside the chat room. I definitely would appreciate that uh, tremendously. Now, let me, you know what, another thing, go ahead, brother. Hold on a sec, hold on a second, brother, info, (laughs) because I gotta, I gotta do a little side. Okay, go ahead. Because um, I got this in my, I got this in my ticker just now. I guess some of your fans are checking out my page. Yeah. And uh, 
somebody named Maya Coins. She said, oh, my goodness, what did I just get myself into here <laughs> to check you out? And I looked, and I looked what she was looking at. She was looking at uh, my promos from the Panty Dropper series. Oh. Um, yeah, I have, you know, yeah, because I noticed that you got a lot of women in your chat, so. Um, I do have a series because my page is the Proper to Thought series. So you have like nine different series. That's what people kind of don't get about TPOTS. Okay. TPOTS stands for the Proper to Thought series, meaning there is a series of things on there. You know, you have the Old Mama series, you have the X Explained series, you have the Unicorn Force series, Dark Exodus series, you know, the X2 series. So I have nine or 10 different series up there. And one of the newer series that we have added is called the Panty Dropper series. Now, the Panty Dropper series is uh, <laughs> actually for women. Yeah, it's for women. Um, I know we often talk about how people, you know, like to tell women what they, you know, want to hear. I do just that. But it's not what you think. Oh, okay? okay. It is far from pandering. No, it's not pandering. It's it's something a little different. Yeah, it's a little different. Uh, but um, that's on Patreon, though, because, you know, it is it is uh, not PG. Yeah, it's not PG. So uh, you got to join the Patreon to hear uh, some of the Panty Dropper series material. Um, I haven't put anything up there lately. Uh, I haven't really had time to work on it. Right. You know, I haven't had time to work on it, but for you ladies out there, you can actually go to the uh, the Panty Dropper uh, Patreon and uh, and check it out. You know, if I get a few Patreons joining on, I will hurry up and throw something up there for y'all. Uh, we have a we have a ten dollar, we have a ten dollar tier, we have a twenty five dollar tier, and we have a fifty dollar tier. Now the ten dollar tier you know it gets a little warm it gets a little moist the 25 dollar <laughs> tier gets a little gets a little harder and the 50 dollar hit tier you get straight heat ladies straight <laughs> heat so i'm just saying check it out it's the you see uh what's the name uh What's the name again? Let me pull it back up. <laughs> you can go ahead and follow Miss uh, Mia Coin right on over there to the Panty Dropper series and and get on over there and join my Patreon. You will not be disappointed, ladies. Okay, so so you so brother uh, X, you uh, you do you have content that meets a lot of people's different needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and we got Paul and Kel. Know. She says, oh, my. Let me see. She says, oh, my God. Uh, let me get her uh, her statement. She said, oh, my God, uh, Brother X. She said, oh, my God, uh, Brother X. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. That's a, that's one of my loyal followers there, boy. Oh, that's okay. part of that's part of TPOT family right there. Yeah, yeah. Paul and Kel is good people out there. Yeah, we got yeah, a lot man, of good absolutely. folks in the chat room. Again, we got I am Tasha. We got uh, Brother Cap. Life, uh, life of Elsa, uh, Koo Jin is in the house. Um, Skinny Boy's in the house. Great Black Shark, Marcus Love, Sonia sees a lot of great people. I really uh, thank everybody for uh, you know hanging in there and uh, you know checking us out tonight. I know there's a lot of streams. Uh, someone had said I think it was uh, someone said that there was a lot of. I think it was Marcus Love. He says a lot of streams tonight. 
So he's been looking at everyone, you know, coming in and out. And I appreciate it. I know that it's a lot of us, you know, on YouTube doing our thing. So, and we got my man, um, Millsap, who says, uh, he says, I love black women, but not, (laughs) which is not. So, um, brother X, let me, um, one of the things that I notice about you, um, on your channel, particularly when I listen to most of the shows that you um, present to the public, I don't see a lot of drama on your channel, man. I mean, I've seen I've seen uh, panels where things get real heated, and a lot of cussing gets starts to be flying, and it gets real, uh, you know, real out there. But I noticed that you have a lot of different personalities that will come to your channel. And even personalities where, let's say I'm on there and there may be somebody I don't agree with. You know what I mean? Maybe I didn't agree with some of the things that they say. But even when we're on your panel, brother, it doesn't it doesn't get chaos, chaotic. You know, even if we have difference of opinion. I think brothers, you have a channel that brothers can go to, can have an honest conversation, and it doesn't get janky. How are you able to do, I mean, what is your thought about what I just said? Because you really have a lot of different walks of life from black, particularly in black YouTube on your channel. You know, you got a man like black Ram who comes around, you know, <laughs> you know, how do you do it? Um, to be honest, just by being myself, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, I'm aligned with so many of you. Good brothers, man. Brothers like you brothers, like Gab brothers, like, uh, Black Ram, you know, uh, ODJ, um, people like uh, Jay Shine. You know, I mean, uh, you go through my archives. Practically everybody has been on the TPOT YouTube page. I mean, practically everybody. There's not too many people who haven't been on there. I have the tasks. I've had... Uh, super slides, Xanatos Clutch, Game Changer. I mean, females too. I've had uh, the Neutral Zone, Nyla Says, Dr. Ford, uh, Dr. Yaya. I mean, females too. So, I mean, my, my spot, one thing I try to do with my YouTube page, right, is when people come, I try to have a sense of gravity, and, I, and I'll tell you what I mean by gravity. I want everything to be centered around the conversation, not centered around the personalities, not centered around uh, personal attributes of the person. I like everything to be centered around the conversation. I never wanted to get personal on my channel. Um, That's how I run it. That's what I expect from the people. Um, And they know it. Everyone knows it. But see, the people, most of the bulk of the people that come on my channel are decent people anyway. When they come to my channel, they know they don't have to be rah-rah to get their point across. They know they're going to get up. They know they're going to get enough time to say what's on their mind. And, And like you said, I mean, it gets a little wild over there, but you never see too many confrontations. And I don't censor the people who come on my, I don't censor them. I don't tell them you can't say this. You can't say that. I don't do anything that, what do I say? Three words to everybody. You got something to say, pull the trigger. That's what I say. Pull the trigger. I tell you that. Go ahead. Pull the trigger. I don't censor my guests. I think that 
TPOT has commanded a degree of respect from many mm-hmm. on YouTube. Right. And I think that that is what it is more than anything else. And I'm talking about for males and females, because I've had, I mean, I don't have a lot of females on my channel. I mean, because my channel is pretty much male-centered. I mean, anybody who watches it knows that. But I have I have content on my channels that females will actually like, just like I have the old panty dropper series Patreon <laughs> that I think females will like. But um, yeah, I mean, I have material. I have material that's somewhat female, if not female centered, mm-hmm. it will give um, female something to kind of watch. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you go through the proper thought series, of course, as a female, most of that stuff you're going to hate. You just are. But there's something in there that you're going to like. If you look through it, that's why I say it's a series. If you look at the videos that I've made lately, of course, you're going to be like, oh, I hate this guy. Mm-hmm. But flip through flip through a few rows. Like I said, just like you'll find stuff that you'll hate, I guarantee you, you'll find stuff that you like. There's stuff on TPOT that your grandmother can watch. There's stuff on TPOT that your grandson can watch. I mean, all you got to do is go through it. That's it. Because it changes every year. Every year we pivot. Around this time, September, October, November, we pivot and we go another direction with some of our material. So, I mean, that's that's what I do on TPOT. I do the Prophet of Thought series, right. Brother Info. And when people come up on my channel, they come up on the channel and they respect it. They respect the channel. I don't even know if they respect me, but they do respect the channel. Mm-hmm. And people don't act a fool up there. They just don't. I mean, even if you get two people, because I have had opposite personalities. You see my shows. Right. Have people that are on to- two total spectrums. But they don't turn into a knockdown drag out on my show. I got one person who kind of causes chaos when he comes on my show. Mm. One person. All right. And even him, I try to I try to rein him in as much as I can. Mm. You know, he's like he's like a little brother to me because he's been dealing with me ever since I was in the radio booth. And that's my man, Corey Haywood. Corey has been Corey has been coming around me on media ever since I was in the booth. All right. He used to come on my radio shows. He's the only person that can kind of come in there and kind of throw a damn Molotov cocktail, (laughs) you know, at the gas station. Mm-hmm. He at the gas station throwing Molotov cocktails. He's that kind of guy. But other than that, I don't have like those kind of problems. I guess because the people that choose to come on the on the stream, I know that's a big part of it. Plus the kind of, you know, the kind of program that I run, the topics that I have. You right. know, certain topics bring out certain things in certain people. I mean, and when I get people, when I get people on my show and I talk about a topic, it's usually something pretty serious. You know, it's serious. It's not about the games. It's not about, you know, attacking each other. What it is is about a few brothers sitting on the internet attacking a subject. That's, that's what it pretty much boils down to. Mm. Let me ask you a question. Um, 
when did you first uh, in, um, um, see me? Was it on the O'Shea Rumble? Is that when you first uh, f- uh, heard of me? Or Yeah, that's the first time I saw you, and I was sitting there. I was like, who this brother? <laughs> and then when you came when you came on, I mean, uh, the shit you were spitting, man, I was like, damn, I got to check this brother out, man. So, of course, I went to your channel. I went to your channel. I was like, damn, I was like, this dude do pretty good shit. You know, anybody that I'm, anybody that I'm subscribed to, they, they got good stuff. I actually watch their stuff. You know, I mean, I'm not going to subscribe to your channel and not watch your stuff. To me, that's right. just stupid. That's like being subscribed to a newspaper that I don't read. <laughs> you know, I, I had a mountain of newspapers out the driveway. I'm not even reading them. They're just piling up out there. You know, it's like that to me. And um, when I first saw what you was doing, first the name, I said, information, man. I said, this dude must know something, <laughs> goddammit. And um, I don't know, the first time I ever saw saw you on there, you and Brother ABL was going at it, I think. Yeah, yeah, you know, I and, gotta... and you was calling him, you was calling him Peanut Head and the whole nine. <laughs> I was like, I said, I said, I said, I gotta check this brother out. I said, not only do he talk good shit, shit he'll go into and um, yeah, I go in the on first it. time I, yeah the first time i went to your channel Ooh, i automatically subscribed oh, i automatically man, I subscribed that, i was like i like this brother right here man i yeah. automatically subscribed yeah yeah i love yeah, uh you have you have come around and some been on some of my panels brothers uh you have been a great fixture and I'm like I'm saying that's why you know i, I definitely have to have people tell more people about you so they can come over and uh, support what it is that you're doing. Um, let me ask you this question. <clears throat> Where do you think the future of black people is going in this society right now? Because last week I had made statements that in some ways I don't think overall that black people are prepared for the future. Now I may be generalizing here, but we know that we do have black professionals and things of that nature. We, I had a, a guy last week say to me that, well, um, because this is, the, this is the numbers right now. I, I looked at an article, and they're saying going into the year 2030, there's going to be some job growth in the areas of services where you don't get to pay a lot of money. So that means fast food uh, services where you're taking care of somebody at home, you know, Healthcare areas that don't make a lot that they don't make a lot of money, and then the jobs that are making the money are the technological type jobs. And the guy said, "Well, you know, immigrants are um, East Indians. They're taking our take. They're taking the jobs." And I said to him, "Look, I lived in San Francisco in the Bay Area for over thirty years. They're all they have always had East Indians come from come come into the country and get those tech jobs because." One, they can pay them less money. And then I asked the honest question, how many black people are in Silicon Valley? And when I've lived there, there's not a hell of a lot of us that are in Silicon Valley at high numbers for even immigrants that are coming over to work those jobs in Silicon Valley that's really impacting us because a lot of where black people are, I looked at the numbers, a lot of us are in uh, labor-type jobs such as trucking which, you know, they got those animated car vehicles coming your way in the future. So a lot of us are in jobs where we're going to get hit 
by immigrants that come over that will impact us on the labor type jobs because of the fact that they can undercut us by getting paid less money to do the same job that we're going to demand a better pay for. With that said, brother, and you've been around, are black people, am I just stretching the straws here? Are we really prepared overall as a community? Are we prepared for the future? Because it's a lot of shit that's coming down the pipeline that's going to blow you away. I think that some of us are, some of us aren't. I mean, because let's be honest, man. If you were to walk into many of our houses, yes, especially, especially our houses that have children, what will you see? You will see stereos, you will see 60 and 70 inch flat screen TVs, you'll see Xboxes, you'll see Playstations, you'll see Jordans, you'll see Louis Vuitton bags and and Gucci bags and all this kind of nonsense, but you know what you won't see? Books. You won't see books. Wow, that's a man, that's so true. God, they tell you. You won't see books. You're so right about that. So, I mean, you know, I think we need to we need to be pushing our kids. I know people like to promote STEM and that's great right. to promote STEM. But we also need to be promoting the trades. We need to be promoting uh carpentry and electrical and plumbing and mechanics and masonry and I mean we need to be pushing some of these things. We need to be pushing vocational training um, because let's be clear, not all of us are going to college. You know, some of us are fortunate like you and me, we went to college. We had the means to go to college, but many of us will not go. But more of us can find ourselves in vocational programs, learning skilled trades because believe it or not, despite of what people are talking about, all this automation crap, right. I mean, some, some skilled trades aren't going anywhere. Cause I know I live in the I live in the Queen City. Construction mm-hmm. is booming right now. Right, booming. But l- let me let me put this on the table though. You're right about that. But see, let's say for example they create robots, or they are creating robots for the future. You're still going to need uh, people who have labor skills. I mean, some of the labor jobs that I'm talking about are like you know the stuff that people are doing even now, where you're like working for someone who's got a sen- uh, elderly mother. And you're, you know, you're cleaning their butts, you're doing the bid pan type thing, those type of jobs. But even if they do, they create robots and animation, you're still going to need engineer type people to fix the robots. You're still going to need somebody to fix that robot, to oil that robot, to go and open it up, rewire this, rewire that. So you're right. Skilled trades is still something. And that's the point, a skilled trade that. That's a, it takes a technical ability to fix certain things in our society. You always need electricians. Always. Mm-hmm. Always. You're always going to need mechanics. You're always going to need uh, plumbers. You're always going to need, you know, carpenters. You're always, you're always going to need those people. It's not like those people, they're not going to get robots to do your plumbing. <laughs> they're not going to get, they're not going to get robots to wire up your house. Right. All right. They're not going to, they're not going to, they have robots that build cars, but they're not going to have too many robots to fix them. Right. You think you can take your car somewhere? If you need to, if you need a new transmission, a new starter, a new water pump, 
a new alternator, a new power steering pump. Robot's not going to put that in there, man. I know. I'm a mechanical engineer. Guess what? Can't no robot fix a car like X can fix a car. Can't no robot fix the engine on a diesel tractor like X can fix a diesel engine on a tractor. That's just what it is because it would have to have too many variables and know too many things to do that. It doesn't know what I know, and you can't teach it what I know. And if you teach it what I know, you can't teach it to implement what I can do. You cannot. It's impossible. It's too much. It's too much even for a computer. Mm. It's too much. Robots can build these things. Robots can't repair them. Right. Let me ask you this. Let's go into this area, Brother X. Uh, You've seen what has happened I did a video uh, last week. I had tons of people in the chat room, people watching, because it's a controversial issue around what happened to the sister in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. You've seen the situation with the guy, the brother Josh Brown, who ended up uh, being uh, no longer alive, dead. Uh, the situation with the Bolton John family and their kind of weird behavior with hugging and all this love fest over Amber Geiger, which I could not believe. Uh, But we're seeing that as a black person, you can be in your house minding your own business and the police can still take your life. What do you think is going on? Are black people, are we being too, um, this is just a state, are we being too reactionary? Meaning we, we know that we are a threat in society that some of these police, these police departments have racism, have white supremacists that work in them. We know these are realities. Are we reactionary? Because there are some that would say, well, wait a minute, which I don't like this term. When black people kill black people, black people ain't showing the same vitriol over that. You know, you'll hear a, a brother like, a, 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 you know, an, an, an RBR, you know, an ABR, ABL. On O'Shea Duke Jackson show, a conservative, a black conservative like him would say that black people kill black people, you know, ain't nobody worrying about that. What are your thoughts? Well, number one, that's true. Um, We don't care as much uh, when black people kill other black people. Um, Oftentimes, a black life only matters if a white person takes it especially a white police officer i mean that's just the truth um right. people will say that people will say that's coon talk and uh, uh x is a sambo and that's a white supremacy talking point and all this kind of nonsense but the truth is the truth no matter who's saying it right. um we have we do have this thing where you know we get up in arms you know I guess because it's the expectation of the white man. And I think that's something that we miss off in that we put that white man at such a place that we say, you are this, you are a cop, you are an authority, you supposed to know better. So when you kill one of us, it's a bigger deal than when one of us kills one of us. But isn't that kind of an oxymoron? Because, see, 
we being black ourselves, shouldn't we care more about black people than the so-called white cop? So shouldn't it be more of a crisis when one of us kills another one of us as opposed to the white folks killing one of us because we as black people, we're supposed to love each other more. We, we shouldn't really be that shocked when someone white, especially a police officer, kills us, right? Because they don't care about us anyway. Right. That's my so, point. That's that's exactly my point that, you know, when uh, when when these cops kill us, we we get we get emotional about it and we we will say something about it. I I've certainly have talked about these issues to the show last week. But when you have and I'm not saying folks out there listening that, you know, because I'm not one of these people that push this whole. Well, black people, black on black people killing black people, killing black people is something that is a. Uh, uh, norm to black people because I've looked at the numbers, um, or I've looked, I've looked at, I've seen, and when I, at work I see the crimes that are committed, and what I see is that white people commit crime on each other, Asians commit crime on Asians, Latinos, and so on and so forth. Every group that lives in close quarters to each other will prey on each other. Where I live at, you have a, a, a Asian gang uh, task force where they look at these Asian gangs that do what they call home invasion, and they pretty much mainly prey on other Asian uh, family members, older that they know culturally have money in the household. And, but the thing is other groups are not demonized in the media the way black people are. And, but I think that we need to take notice when we are doing things that are destructive to ourselves. We should have some, visceral emotional uh, response because I think, and I've said this before, brother, I don't really think that black people really like each other. Yeah. Well, you know, like I always said, and I think I said this the other night too, there's, there's many of us. And I think many of us who sit up here on these YouTube streams that we, we talk a lot of crap about what we see in black society. We talk a lot of crap about the shit that goes on in black society. Mm -hmm. But I think many of us, we actually do love black folks. And, uh, you know, black folks are like, like we are in our family. You know, some of them we love to death. It's just that they get on our goddamn nerve. And with some of us, we love some of our family members from a distance. Right. And I think many, many of us, we just kind of love the black family <laughs> from a distance because we we think they've done something that that we just can't get past. We they've done something that we deemed unforgivable. They've right. done some things that make us want to love them from a distance. From a That's distance. what I truly believe. That's right. Yeah. Some some of us want to want to love black society from a distance because we all got family members, man, that, that we don't get along with. We love them. But guess what? We only see them like once a year. Why? Because we're loving them from a distance. And I think that some of us black people, we're doing the same thing with black society, man. And, you know, as far as, you know, people getting killed, I mean, to date, Okay, to date, 
there have been 717 people shot and killed by the police this year to date. Okay. That's as of yesterday. 717 people have been killed by the police. Okay. According to the, according to the shooting database, you know, you know what percentage of the, you know, what percentage of those people were black. Tell the the truth. truth. What is the percentage brother? 21% because only 148 of them were black. Right. And we know that the news media, we know that the, what I've been noticing that the news media, they, there's a lot of false reporting a lot of narratives that are put out about us that's not true. Mm-hmm. And people run with these narratives and say, well, black people are violent, black people are this. Just like I've said before, uh, when it came to New York and they had that program where they were stopping black folks and they were stopping in to see if you had guns and drugs. And then they later find mm-hmm. out that the majority of the people who had the drugs and the guns were white guys in New York. Yet they kept fixing yep. and shaking down black men because that was another form of profiling uh, that was taking place. So everybody, you're listening to the information man show. We're live on Spreaker. Uh, the program is also going to be, be uh, ported into iHeart radio podcast, Google podcast, Apple podcast, cast box, uh, Spotify, anchor cash box. Some of the uh, areas that you can hear this, if you want to hear the radio style sound of it, because it sounds really good when you listen to it on those platforms, but it sounded really good tonight. There was something else that I wanted to uh, bring to your attention too, brother X, another um, question that I wanted to get you. Oh, around um, religion. Um, you know, I think um, O'Shea, some of the folks have talked about this. Do you think, you know, when you look at the case with how the family was behaving, you know, you know, people grieve the way they want to grieve, okay, you know, but do you think religion, and I'm not a man who does not believe in God, I, lo- I believe in God, I, I'm, I'm a very spiritual person, I believe that spirituality is very different from religion, religion is organized, spirituality is your own personal relationship with your God, whoever your God may be, but do you think religion has weakened black people hasn't made us too passive too forgiving because what i notice in american society is that america requires black people to be forgiving but yet america is not forgiving to black people and other people are not forgiving to us has religion that the ideology of religion weakened black people what is what do you what do you think it has done to us absolutely it has weakened black folks um I think religion is one of the, it's one of, I think religion is one of the things that kind of handcuffs black folks development, because like you said, it talks about forgiving everything and and everybody, you know, it, it talks about, it talks about let people do anything they want to you and still pray for them. Um, I don't think anything can be more counterintuitive. And this is from it's, this is coming from a person who has been in many religions. Um, I was raised by church folk before I became a Muslim. I was raised by church folk. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm talking church folk in my family. Wow. So I mean, 
I've seen I've seen so many different aspects of religion, man. You know, not just one aspect of it or one aspect from one religion. I've seen many aspects from a few religions. And I think religion controls black people. I don't think religion uh, makes black people more spiritual. I don't because I don't believe that. Uh, religion and spirituality is is necessarily synchronous. I think you can be a spiritual person minus religion. You know, it doesn't. You don't have to be into religion to be a spiritual person. You know, religion does what? All it does is make you all gather in a particular place, read from a particular scripture, right, and hopefully leave out of there feeling the same thing by who's ever teaching you in said religion. So I don't think any of those, I don't think that that, that uh, religion and spirituality has to be connected. I don't think, I mean, I think religion is just another way to control people, man. It controls them and, and, and makes them think a particular way. And I think it weakens people. I think it causes people to do things that aren't necessarily in their best interests. I think religion kind of manipulates black people, man. It does not, not everybody. I don't think it manipulates everybody, but I think it manipulates certain people. I think it does. I think, I think it causes certain people to do things that aren't necessarily in their best interests. And it forces them to believe some pretty good lies too. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's <laughs> I right. mean, it is what it is, man. You know, and like I said, I mean, I come from from church folks. I mean, I've been in a couple of religions in my lifetime, man. I just, I think that black people would not be any worse off if there wasn't any religion. Because think about it, especially when you're talking about forget, you know, uh, uh, Islam or. or Buddhism or anything like that. Let's just talk about Christianity, right? The right. the the, the so called religion that's in in most uh, pockets of Black society, right? Now, you go to those cities. You go to the Baltimore. You go to the St. Louis. You go to the shop, the Chicago. You go to the Detroit. Places where brothers is dying by the dozens every week. What is on the corner of every one of those streets where brothers is getting shot in the head? Let me see. What's uh, on every other corner? You got churches every other block. A damn church is right. Every corner where all these people are getting killed at. You're absolutely right because... You're absolutely right, brother, because when I lived in Oakland, in some of the areas where you had black people being shot, and even in the San Francisco area, you always had some religious church some in the area. All these churches, but all this stuff going on. And the question exactly. is, wow. Mm. If you have that many churches in these cities... Right, all these holy sanctuaries all over the place. That means that that city should be just full of holy folks, right? Right. I mean, there's a church. There's a church every block. This place must be inundated with holy folk. Mm. 
So why are so many people dying on these streets where there's so many holy folks? What wow. sense does that make? And folks, let me just say this. We're not saying that you should not have a spiritual belief, but we do. We're, we're looking at the hypocrisy because he's talking about areas that we we can all find these kind of areas in our communities. I when I lived in Oakland, Oakland was having some heavy problems. Richmond, California, at one time was out beating uh, Los Angeles in terms of uh, home, homicides, homicides, and they have lots of churches. They have lots of churches in that community, so. It big. It really makes you say, "Hmm, what is really going on here?" Um, man, it's a it's a it's a it's a tough proposition. It's a puff, it's a tough to answer that. Uh, I want to say peace to Crazy Adventures. Thank you for coming through, Topaz, uh, Sister uh, 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 Neo Nubian. You've been doing great things in the chat room. And we got uh, Neil Eyes is in the house. Thank you for being here. Poetic Kells, Captain PY2, Sonia C's. We got Jasmine Virgo, who's just came on the scene right now. Good to see you here. Grown Man's Business is in the house. Good to see you here. Let me see here where, uh, let me see. Facts is when we are helping these white folks, we kill each other over nothing. We are lost, man. Well, Yes, we can we can be lost, but this is the question we need to we need to figure out how to how to awaken and it starts with your family. Everything starts with your family. Do what you can in your family to, to awaken um to get yourself to truth. So brother uh prophet let me ask you one other question as we get close to the conclusion of this tonight, brother. Let me ask you For the ladies out there who need to understand what it takes to be a real man, can you give us some blueprints? What are the qualities that a woman should be looking for in a man? We're talking about not no dusty, crusty, musty individual, but somebody that's got their purpose. Because I believe that I believe that purpose. I talked about this on a video that a man, as a man, you must understand and know what is your purpose in life. Without knowing your purpose, you are lost as a man, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that, but you must have purpose. What are your thoughts? Um, I believe the same thing. I mean, uh, this message is similar. I've given this similar message to my sons and my daughters. Um, you know, like you said, uh, a man has some degree of purpose and a man has a degree of accountability and attrition, right? Uh, to be, to be a man, you need to understand your own fallibilities for one. And you also need to understand that you're not perfect and you will make mistakes and bad decisions. Uh, a man understands that. He learns from those mistakes and those bad decisions. Um, he doesn't purposely, he doesn't purposely stumble into something uh, that he regrets. 
You know, when a man does something he regrets, it has to be something he's done by accident. Right. Uh, I don't believe... I don't believe when you're a man that you when you're a man that you purposely go into something that you know has a negative effect on your life, because that's that's not what we're supposed to do as men. Um, I know we often talk about you know men being the lead and all that kind of stuff. That's fine, but I say again, you know, when you're leading your community, and that's what men do. Men build communities. Men don't build the community men build communities Community. of their own right that's what men do they don't build the community they build a community they build communities and those communities make up a bigger society those communities will ultimately make up a society. That's so right. When it comes down to it, a man builds a community. A man builds a community. That's what a man right. does. He builds that community. He trains that community. He teaches that community. He leads that community. That's what a man does. And that is the reason why I would say, in my estimate, why it is important to have male, that type of male energy in the household raising a son. And that is, in my estimate, why I do not believe that women uh, have the uh, essence to provide that type of energy to a male child. A woman can only give to a young male what she knows. And a lot of what a woman knows is centered in um, her femininity in some cases. Now, X, I was listening to a radio show. There's a radio show host that I like, Joe Madison. But he said something that I disagreed with. A guy called up and said that, well, a woman can't raise a, a young man to be a man. And he disagreed because he said, well, women, a woman can teach a man what type of because a man, a woman knows what kind of man that she wants and how she wants a man to be, right? And so he kind of went back and forth with the guy, and I disagree with what he was saying because a woman, a woman being able to teach you as a young man uh, all this, all the shivery type stuff of how to treat a woman, that actually does not prepare you because what it's doing is training a young man to put a woman on worship paddle, put her on a pedestal. What a man does when raising his son is he teaches the son to be what? Independent, right? Uh, to be strong, to understand the principles of what manhood is, to think with logic. That man is going to hold that son accountable. Sometimes a, a mother will be quick to react emotionally and spank the kid or slap that young man. A father is going to analyze you break you down and I've seen this before where a father would just give a son a look and that son knows that he got just one more time <laughs> to do something and he's going to be knocked out <laughs> right he's going to pay he's going to be spanked right or whatever the case may be you know we couldn't do back in my back when I was a kid you was a kid it was it was no big deal to see kids go to, go out with their parents throw a fit on the floor and a parent whoop their behind <laughs> Nowadays, you know, you do that, they're going to call the Child Protective Services on you. Um, but Brother X, um, 
I really enjoyed you being here, brother. You have any other statements, anything else on your mind that you want to bring up to the folks? Any thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, can a woman, and I think we talked about this earlier, can a, can a woman raise a young man and teach him how to treat a woman? With that, I say yes. If he get out there and get a woman just like her ass, you know, because we have this, uh, we have this thing in the black community, you know, this this thing that I'm sure we've all heard, if not from our own mama, somebody's mama, saying he want a woman just like his mama, which I think is total BS, because no the hell he doesn't. What the hell do we need another mama for? I think that is the problem. I mean, many of these women, this is the thing. Many of these women do not realize that they are raising the same kind of men that they complain about. They're raising the same kind of men that they complain about. Okay. Why? Because a lot of these women are are stuck in a hard place. Okay. You know me. Don't get me started on these old mamas because you know I got a whole series on these old mamas. And I think what happens often, Brother Info, is that these uh, dudes are raised by their mom and they've been indoctrinated by their mom to get out there and find somebody like their old mama. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they find somebody just like their old mama is because, see, that's what they're comfortable with. Right. That's what they're comfortable with. They're, they're comfortable with being under a domineering, belligerent, overzealous, and usually unprepared mama. So she's trained them right. to do what? To not see fault in her, love her unconditionally, He's learned to listen to verbal assault, right? verbal attacks all his life. He's learned to be verbally abused. So by the time he comes out there and he's in, you know, he's in that mode of he's going to find a woman. He has a tendency to gravitate towards these same kind of women right because he's been taught that this is what a woman is i don't i don't believe that the best thing for a brother to do is to go out there and find somebody just like his mama especially if his mama ain't shit and unfortunately there's a lot of mamas out there who ain't shit so what happens they teach these boys to go out there and get women just like them. Because a lot of these mothers, this is what they want. Because think about it. If a young man comes from an old, ran down old baby mama who don't have care about him, don't take care of him the right way, don't take care of his siblings the right way, why would she be saying, why would she be saying, my boy wants a woman just like his mama? Mm. The only reason the only reason why she would be saying that is because if he went out there and found a woman 
who was the exact opposite of old mama, a woman with ability, desire, interests, understanding, no kids, all of that. If she, if he went out there and found someone like that, what would that do? That would confirm mom's failure. Right. Why would she, why would she tell you to get somebody who's the exact opposite of her? Because if she did that, she would admit that whatever kind of person she is, isn't the type of person that you want to be around. Mm. Wow. Right. She can't, she can't tell you to go out there and say, Hey, get somebody the opposite of me, son. Because that's her acknowledging that she's failed, that she's a failure. She's a failure. So, of course, she's going to say, get somebody just like me because, you know, I'm good old mom. I never do anything wrong, even though I treat you like crap, talk to you like crap, and damn near treat you like I don't want you. But make sure you get on out there and get somebody just like me. Wow. Think about that. Wow. Think about that. Well, let me do something right now. Right now, everybody, um, if you're in the chat room, go ahead. Make sure you hit the likes. Make sure you share this um, this presentation, this, what we've done tonight. Make sure you share it in your social media. More people need to hear this conversation. What I want to do is I'm, gonna, I'm about to sign off on the radio-style portion of the program on Spreaker and say to everybody out there in Spreaker, SoundCloud, uh, Sound, uh, we got, uh, got BotCastBox. We got Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, all the different platforms, Anchor, Spotify, all of it out there. Thank you for listening to this portion of the Information Man show, which has been piped into my podcast from my, my first channel, which is Information Man show. Check it out. It's on YouTube. I hope you enjoy what you have heard. I thank you for being here and the thunderous statements that you've heard tonight. I really thank you very much for being here. Information man. Show. Okay, everybody.